0: Hi,
1: I'm James Taylor. Hi, James Taylor. I'm Marco Sparks. And welcome to Bros Watch PLL two. I think that's right. <laughs>
2: Question mark.
1: Welcome back for S one E three of the Perfectionists. If one of them is dead, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like how long? Like what? What lines from that song are left that they haven't used yet? Something. Show me what I. Or show you what knows. So,
2: you know. What is it like? Block it in your pocket. Show me what you know. I'll show you that I know you. Show sure you know that I know you, yeah. Show you that I know you is so weird that it might might actually work. I don't know. Got a
1: secret, can you keep it?
2: Maybe mm. this one you'll save. Maybe this, dot, 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 maybe this one you'll save. They really do feel like like ominous lines in a note left by a, a killer in a box of marijuana or something.
1: Murder-wanna?
2: Yeah. Oh, that's what my Norman Buckley shout out because he did a, a an episode of Rosolian Isles called Murderwanna. <laughs> wow! Okay. Guess guess who guest starred as the Murderwanna proprietor?
1: Um, is there a PLL connection? Sure is. It's the best one. Keegan Allen.
2: Nope, the Maestro.
1: <laughs> All right,
2: Chad is peddling that Murderwanna.
1: Nothing. Nothing says. Uh... Pot
2: dealer to me, like Chadlow. Yeah. What if Chadlow had been like the connective tissue to the I Marlin I Marlin King universe,
1: <laughs> the IMKCU?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, Byron uh, needs a new teaching job.
2: Oh, I mean, it's 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 ripe. Still, the question is, is Austin and Otto? It's still?
1: Yeah, where's Austin Auto? Waiting for that to come
2: back.
0: All
1: right, well, uh, this episode written by Charlie Craig, who uh, was around early in the life of PLL and then came back much later in, what was that, like, uh, season... Was either for 6B or just 7?
2: I think just 7, think because just seven. they had some absences.
1: Well, that was because uh, Marlene was doing famous in Love, and I think Joseph Doherty had, like, his play for part of that, so...
2: And, and um... Uh, Goldstick was doing the show on Amazon. Right, right, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Gary McLeod, I did a little check, came into directing from cinematography, directed a lot of shows, Famous in Love, Light as a Feather, The Residence, Grey's Anatomy. So I guess there's three avenues of TV directing. There's like cinematography, editing, or just actor. <laughs> sure, yeah. Yeah. Oh, which always cracks me up about Joel Schumacher, who like, came from like makeup and costuming or something like that.
1: Wasn't he like, like Madonna's hairdresser? Was that him or is that John Peters?
2: Maybe. Maybe. Oh, no, it's John Peters was the okay, hairdresser. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just high-level overview. What did you think of this episode? Um, I'd say
1: it was an improvement. Um, mm-hmm. I always want to save most of my high-level thoughts for the end, but I think this one, just by virtue of not having, like, you know, 15 to 20% of the episode taken up by, like, relationship scenes that don't really do anything for the plot yeah you know like we we didn't have like the mandatory two scenes with each ship Mm -hmm. where they just have the conversation over same conversation over and over again like it was like oh this feels like there's more momentum here
2: i have to wonder when this script is turned in if somebody was like what do we need these other characters for like where is that going because
0: there are some,
1: some kind of weird pivots here from like between last episode and this one.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but I mean, it's, you know, coming together more. I still have some, some critiques. concerns, are, yeah. yeah. Big pivot.
2: I like Ava a hell of a lot more than I have in the previous two sessions of 44 minutes a piece or 42 yeah. minutes a piece. Um, and I know this is a bit crass, but I'm still, I don't know why. I guess I'm eagerly waiting for that scene where all three perfectionists finally realize that their boy, Nolan Hotchkiss was just like dropping loads everywhere.
1: <laughs> <sighs> yeah, there is a moment where later on where like Ava's talking about Dylan or not Dylan, uh, Nolan, and Dylan's just like in the backseat there. And it's like, I wonder what he thinks about this?
0: Yeah,
2: seriously. I mean, well, they all have a stake in the game because because Nolan's been dropping all those loads. There's at least four people in this episode that I think he slept with.
0: Hmm.
1: All right. Yeah. Well, uh, shall we dive right in? Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: so we start in Allison's house. We're looking at that beacon guard box on her wall, and then Allison just kind of struts into frame over there and grabs the thing off the wall, pulling the cord out through the hole with it, and unplugging it and setting it down on the, the counter nearby, and we see that she's got Ava and Caitlin and Dylan are over at her place watching her do this in like, the couch living room area. Presumably maybe right after. I didn't check the outfits, but I'm guessing maybe right after.
1: I last class look, yeah um yeah it's uh, funny it's like she just unplugs that thing it's like an ethernet cable that plugs in
2: yeah uh so dylan's like he's like just sitting down there like complaining that maybe they all just got there she's unplugging this so they can have a private chat he's like is it cool to do that um but Alison gives no fucks about big brother so she's like uh not according to the emails that the university keeps sending me but that's not your problem and uh it's not the same outfit. It's different okay.
1: outfit. so next day i guess who knows cool so,
2: yeah, the three of them are sitting in Allison's living room, which is like this like roaring fire going in the foreplace. And Allison, I, I didn't really notice this in all those years of PLL until like Jacob Clipson pointed it out. She has this kind of just like, well, well, well strut that she does. <laughs> so she's like, she's like, well, 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 it's like struts in front of them. With the, she fireplace swagger. the back. Yeah, she's got this like golden snake curled there on a necklace that she's wearing. It's very fitting. That um, is uh,
1: 10 points slither Slytherin
2: necklace there for sure. For realsies. So she's like, she's working out the alibis. So we drank coffee and we ate pie. Pie's a little too specific. <laughs> Stick with the coffee.
1: <laughs> I think it was, uh, someone who to write it. I think it might've been like tiny ghost grace or grace ghost. I hope I'm not butchering that, but it was something her, like, she like tells him about the pie and she's like, you know what? You're not gonna be able to remember that. Let's keep it simple. Just coffee. <laughs>
2: So he was like, Mrs. De Laurentiis. And she's like, Allison, you can call me Allison. I'm a TA, not a professor. A I'm little a little inf- TA. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of informality will help. I had to wonder, like, realistically, all this is going by. You've been invited to your TAs, like, life. They've taken excessive interest in your friends. She's swinging a group sex attempt here. I would just be like, who the fuck is this lady? Yeah. Yeah. I would be grilling her so hard. Or really, like, like, have they not Googled her? Seriously. I think there would be a lot
1: on the internet they might find out about Alison Dillarentis.
2: You tell me there's not a, like a podcast started just like like loving her. For all mm. the people who worship like murderesses and stuff. Um, so Caitlin's like, Mrs. Dealer, Alison, why did you say we were here with you that night? No one was killed. Why did you lie for us? I don't know why this wouldn't be the next the, the same day. I don't know why you would wait 24 hours to have this conversation. Anyway, Allison's like the beacon guard cameras in this area were down and no was killed. So for now, this is a solid alibi. I need you guys just as much as you need me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, that's the answer to how we might get away with it. It's not why you did
1: it. See, it kind of makes me wish we had one of these three supposed genius perfectionist was a little more on the game and said that. And it was like, oh, so you need us.
2: Yeah, yeah. Seriously, like, I need these three to pretend like they're the stars of the show. (laughs) Well, Ali is about to just be like,
1: "Hey, I'm Al. Al I'm I'm fucking Allison De Laurentis here. You sit there, you do nothing
2: until I tell Mm -hmm. you to do something. I'm Mm -hmm. the star." Mm -hmm. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Allison has a great line, though. She's like, because I have terrible impulse control <laughs> and authority figures who are prone to abusing the system are a trigger for me. So this this rings true to Ava. She's well, like, what's what? what's
1: odd about that line is that like it it's 100 percent correct, but like it's not really played it even a little bit as like a, a funny thing for her to say. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like they just like take it as like, oh, yeah, sure.
2: When there's that and there's one at the end. But yeah, no, they're like, really like,
1: who the fuck are you?
2: There's like the opportunity for some very interesting deconstruction of the Allison character slash mythos. And they're playing it a little too straight, I guess. But yeah, Ava's was like, well, that's Dana Booker for sure. And Allison's like, just so this doesn't all blow up on our faces. Where were you really when Nolan was killed? Cain's like, oh, walking home. And Dylan nods and says, yeah, me too. Ava kind of nods and says softly, yeah, in a way that lets us know that we'll be revisiting this this question yeah, of her Sort later. of, kind of.
0: Yeah.
1: But we already uh, knew more or less where she was.
0: They all, they, all three,
1: they all three met up together and then went their own separate ways. And then, like, right afterwards, Nolan died. Right. So, like, she's going to reveal that she was somewhere earlier that night. But
2: Yeah. You don't think this was, like, so timeline-wise. Oh, God, we're already doing this. Episode three. So it's not like they met. No, they couldn't have. No, because he was, was, he was on the
1: roof watching them. Yeah, yeah,
2: it was 12 minutes later. Okay. Thank God. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be tracking gazebo building schedules and all this shit. And how long does it take you to walk from Spencer's house to Allison's island? here? We
1: are confidently in episode three saying, well, they said it was 12 minutes later. Therefore, you know, oh, and then we get to the, like, you know, the season two finale if they're lucky enough to have one. And it's just like, wait a minute. That doesn't check out.
2: What, what is this? Uh, oh God. What's the, what's the phrase now? Uh, Interpretive memory <laughs> timeline here.
1: Dream logic.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Who's in charge of this shit? <laughs> so Allison says, So you didn't do anything? No one saw you that could prove this was a lie. Caitlin shakes her head and says, No. Everybody shakes her head with a little frowny face. Um, they've all like conveniently forgotten the other thousand cameras on campus. Yeah, sure. Dylan like, shakes his head and sighs. They're all just like guilty as hell. And Allison can tell. She's like, Okay, got any questions? And Dylan's like, So what do you want us to do? And I wanted Allison <laughs> to be like, Well, first of all, if any of you has like a malicious twin, this is a great time to admit that. Mm-hmm. But she's like, you? Nothing. I want you to act like nothing is out of the ordinary. And Caden's like, I don't know if I can do that. And Allison's like, oh, I think you can do anything that you set your mind to. And When the stakes are this high, you have to stick together. <laughs> Wink. That's the theme of this episode. Mm-hmm. And it, was, it was like, what are you going to do? And Allison's got a little smirk, some bravado. She's like, nothing I haven't done before. And Ava turns to Kate and they share this look like, welp. And it's like. Nothing I Haven't Done Before is a great open door for her to talk about her awesome past.
1: Aren't they at least a little bit curious? <laughs>
2: you know? Seriously, like, I'm going to need some bona fides. I'm going to need a resume. I'm going to just sit there calmly, like you said, like, well, I goo you. Well, you mentioned the, the theme of this episode. It's been,
1: I don't know, a little while since I did a PLL rewatch. Mm-hmm. I don't really recall there being themes to PLL episodes ever. It wasn't really <laughs> that kind of show.
2: It kind of depends on the writer, I think.
1: I don't like, know, I uh, just, like, there's a, a bit later on we'll get to that just did not feel like PLL at all to me.
2: I'll say, like, when we did some of the rewatches of the early episodes, and we went back to, like, you and I talked about some private conversation the other day, but like we went back to, like, that early Doherty one. It starts at the park bench, and it ends with Toei and Emily having a heart-to-heart in the street. There's, like, some stuff that, like, it's set up in that first scene yeah, that, like, kind of comes to play. So, like, it was, like, a subtle theme depending on the writer. And some of the writers who were just like, guys, this is how TV is done. And then PLO kind of fucked with that. But anyways, if we're going to get several of these scenes where Allison is mentoring these kids, I really need Sasha Pieterse to say at least once class dismissed to these kids. (laughs) I think she needs
1: to say that after she's just like bludgeoned somebody to death with a fire poker.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. And then she points at something on a a blackboard (laughs) (laughs) with that fire poker. So then we move to Claire's study slash office.
1: Yeah, this we're is, back here again. This is this the same this, location? doesn't look like it.
2: It doesn't look like it. It doesn't look like this. This is, is definitely like a just,
1: set, I think, where before yeah. it was a location. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's going to be a fun little shift. You, you know what? This is the time, guys. Watch for it. Like when Arya's house changed pretty interestingly <laughs> from like episode one to episode three. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Dana is there showing Claire some shit on the iPad uh also Claire's like a nice little bar in the corner of her office nice uh Dana Booker's like this was recorded 12 minutes before Nolan's murder let me see that they're looking at that beacon guard CCTV footage from high up the three perfectionists making their goodbyes in the quad square or whatever after fantasizing how they'd kill Nolan Dana's like
1: <laughs> the camera's once again tracking by the way
0: yeah
2: doing things that cameras cannot do Claire's like where'd you get this footage from the pilot from yeah yeah um and Dana's like, as you can see, they're gathered together at Thorn Hall. Claire's like, well, it doesn't prove that they did it. Dana's like, um, is it proof? No. But they look and are acting suspicious. <laughs> it's like, like, are they? Like,
1: they're just talking in the quad?
2: I, I need Claire to be like, how much am I paying you? Because this is the weakest of sauce. Well, it's um, just like, like,
1: like, Booker's just like, they're just standing around talking.
2: And Claire's just like, yeah. <laughs> well, like, a camera's a camera. If Beacon Guard wants to fucking impress me, like, uh, I can hear what they're saying from a thousand yards away or something, yeah, sure. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I can read their goddamn thoughts. <laughs> like, I want, like, heat vision where it's just like, oh, somebody's aroused. <laughs> um, it's not who you think. Yeah. <laughs> you will be pleasantly surprised. Claire's like, why would they want my son dead? They were all fucking him. Dana's like, you know, Nolan wasn't perfect, right? He was dropping loads. He had a way of getting them to do what he wanted. It wasn't always pretty. And Claire, like, glowers at her for a moment. And that's the thread that I think she should have picked up on. But instead, she's like, well, it wasn't Caitlin. And Dana's like, with all due respect, Mrs. Hotchkiss, she lied about where they were that night. She said she was at the others, Allison De house. She wasn't. And Claire's like, well, was on her way there. Yeah. Sort of, twelve minutes later. I don't know I don't know what's twelve minutes from what on this campus either. I don't know how big it is. There's an old campus, there's a new campus, I don't know what's going on. Cause like, was it possible they went there after they separated and they were at Allison's house when no one was killed twelve minutes later? And then it's like, it's possible, but I know a liar when I see one. Ooh. And I'm watching a show about them and they're all covering for each other. And Claire's like, well, you better find out why. And she like sits at her desk and like we hear some ADR Claire like, use what you have to get them to talk. And then regular Claire says, and when Caitlin comes to me for help, I'll be the person that she turns to, the person that she trusts. Dana's like, you really think that she'll tell you the truth? And Claire seems almost annoyed to have to explain this to like one of her employees. She's like, she's not going to risk her family's future to protect Dylan or Ava. And Dana nods like, oh, yeah, I'm starting to get it. And Claire's like, it's not in her DNA. And what a weird conversation this has been between an employer and employee. And now I'm just wondering if like the Hotchkiss family is like the Hastings family and they just have roots everywhere.
1: Yeah. Does this does Claire strike you as somebody who just lost her second
2: child? No. She had to bury her second child in the earth? No, she 100% strikes me as like Caitlin's my secret daughter. And never mind the fact that she's been fucking my son. Yeah.
0: <laughs> or I think she has. <laughs>
2: Like, doesn't it just seem like there's a lot of like hints that could be picked up on later there for that?
1: I guess so. Yeah. I mean, she she does exhibit a sort of matronly concern for Claire. And I'm not sure. I mean, it could just be some sort Caitlin, of political yeah. Cl- Caitlin. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if it's just a uh, political connection to like the senator mom. I don't know.
2: She's like, actually, Caitlin, change your plans. Your mom's out. I want you to run for president. In 15 years, when you're legally just like,
1: eligible. sorry, Caitlin, I'm actually kind of into Pete Putajet now.
2: <laughs> you know, he speaks Norwegian, that's wild. Uh, so it seems like the new shot in the credits is the one of the three perfs. I mean, so, can we say perfs out loud? That like, seems ridiculous.
1: I've been saying purse in my notes just because it's okay. Quicker so vibe, but perfectionist.
2: But say, does it say weird, out, feel weird out
0: loud?
1: Doesn't feel the weird purse. to me. What feels weird to me is that, uh, so they're reusing the, the funeral shot. So there's just one new single shot yeah. for the credits in each each episode here, which doesn't feel like enough to me.
2: You guys, I think you can do better. Yeah, the, the new shot is the opening of the trunk later. With Especially the, because
1: we've seen this trunk opening shot so many times already.
2: In like trailers and stuff? Yeah. yeah. So I would think you would do something with the well, I guess the, the, the flashlight stuff. Never mind.
1: Yeah, so we get some uh, kind of drone footage of, I don't even know if this is the same campus or some random campus somewhere else, but it's a campus. Uh, <laughs> you know, some establishing shots here that are clearly stock footage. And then we cut to like this like random park somewhere that looks like it could be anywhere.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: But it's got a Beacon Heights University sign, so you know, obviously it's BHU. <laughs> <laughs> uh we hear ava Check out our half a park yeah we hear ava talking in voiceover how do you act normal when nothing in your life is normal when you're forced to trust people you hardly know and just hope that they won't let you down because if they do everything that you've ever worked for falls apart like your youtube channel god damn it aunt becky why did you fuck me over like that
2: i was just about to do a makeup collab with olivia jade Oh, and that bitch.
1: I lost my Sephora lipstick collection.
2: Now I'm stuck doing things with Eliza Koshy or whatever her name is. And, and uh, one of those racist guys.
0: No, PewDiePie. Yeah, Logan Paul.
2: <laughs> <You're> Logan Paul. <laughs> We're going to really get into the Flat Earth stuff. <laughs> well, I did clearly Bennett date him. I don't get it.
1: Yeah. Anyways, our, our three perfections here are walking and talking with some generic coffee cups. that definitely don't have any uh, liquid inside of them. Aria style. Yeah. Dylan says, okay, she threw us a lifeline when she didn't have to. I think we should trust her. And says, (sighs) forget Allison. We barely know each other. I mean, how do we know that we could trust us? Uh, Which is spoken exactly like somebody you can't trust. Uh, She says, it's not like Nolan's death made us instant best friends. You know, one of the continuing problems I have with these characters so far is, Mm-hmm. How much they know or knew each other is so but, nebulous.
2: Yeah, and didn't and didn't have at least a little bit more familiarity. I mean,
1: at times it seems like they, okay, it's like okay, you you guys barely know each other. Sure, yeah. got it. But then other times they know all about each other,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's like, how how do you not know more about each other? for seemingly as much time as you spent together.
2: Well, and I think any relationship isn't necessarily based upon solely knowledge. You no. Know, like they talk about, like, the uh, last episode they talked about, like, all we know is each other's bio. Like, the people you sit next to in class and interact with, like, you, may, it may be nothing, it may be surface, but, like, there is a relationship there of some form. It's You don't know anything about them if you don't really talk about that stuff, but it's not like... We're not friends at all. We have no connection. I mean, you know,
1: it's 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 like how uh you stood next to me in weight training for a year and we never spoke to each other.
2: hmm mm-hmm. And then you hit me in the face with that thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But I knew you then. I was like, oh, that fucking guy. Yeah. That yeah. guy. And then like the time traveler came back and he's like, Don't kill him. Someday you guys <laughs> will have a number one PLF podcast. <laughs> and the number four like, and what? the number nine. Yeah. I'm like, and what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Number just like that. Like we uh we won and then re-entered the masturbation <laughs> contest. <laughs> uh,
1: anyway, now. where are we here? Dropping loads. Dropping loads. <laughs> um yeah, Caitlin, they, they walk over this park bench and uh like they're gonna sit there and Caitlin says, Hey, do you guys want to sit here for a second? We'll Dylan says, I've got a few minutes. And Ava says, Okay, so they sit down and Caitlin says, so how are you two holding up a, Ava's was like it sucks and Dylan's like yeah um so you were mentioning it's frustrating like with all the ADR trying to like keep mm-hmm. track of things here um I definitely noticed more in this episode that Dylan has a way of kind of like a naturalistic delivery let's call it mm-hmm. um where <laughs> it's nice. it's hard to hear of at times which yeah, I mean I, I have a tendency to do that myself and realize so yeah. I'm not like hating or anything but this is a tv show you know
2: yeah, I mean, I have been accused of mumbling before. Um, I'm kind of shocked we don't hear more about it from the podcast. But, like, when you're trying to transcribe what someone says for your stupid podcast, it's, it's frustrating. It's also been fairly hard to
1: pick out Caitlyn and Ava. Um At Sometimes. times, Caitlyn, I think she has a little bit of, like, a Philly accent that slips through.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but at other times, they sound very, very similar, yeah.
2: There's a there's a little bit of... How, how am I described a little bit of a bounce in like the personality that sydney park brings to caitlin where sophia carson i don't ava's much more slow and her words just kind of pour out of her you know Mm -hmm. but yeah it's it's hardest when it's like a one word response yeah yeah in this scene though you can definitely see there's like parts where, like they're sitting and they're adjusting their seat and like you're hearing their voices but you can actually tell their lips are not moving (laughs) this dialogue is from somewhere else
1: which is weird because it's like what exactly is the change yeah
2: yeah, like, what are you shuffling in episode three? So,
1: hmm. so yeah, they're sitting down. Caitlin says, it's like there's so much going on that I need to make a list to prioritize my anxiety. And Dylan kind of looks around so no one can overhear him. little Ari move there. And he says, well, is priority number one on your list Nolan's stash? <laughs> he really wants that weed uh, because that's number one on mine. Caitlin says, yeah, if what he was holding over me gets out, it doesn't just ruin me. It ruins my entire family. And Dylan says, guys, our secrets are out there. Caitlin says, and they make us look guilty. And Ava says, what do we do? Uh, Caitlin's not sure. She looks at Dylan. Dylan says, until we figure out who has them, we get back to business as usual. Caitlin says, speaking of which, you guys are meeting me at student union at three, right? To kick off the care package drive. And Ava, you can just see she's like, the fuck?
2: Like it's some of this shit's gotta have been easier when they were in high school, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like just generating this nonsense, the college setting, it's gotta be harder.
1: Yeah, because college is so much less structured. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, and you choose your own level of involvement. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I love that Ava doesn't say shit here. Like she just stares at Caitlin and she has no idea what she's talking about. And Caitlin's like, "Number two on my list of things to worry about today: getting like fifteen hundred care packages out to service people for Volunteer Day." She's looking back and forth between them, like waiting for them to jump in and say something. And she's like, "You guys both agreed to help me." So I was really and waiting
1: for one of them to jump in and be like, "I don't support like fascist oppressors or you know, like have like a really like hot like super left wing take on this." But no, yeah, yeah.
2: Or couldn't I just go personally put my boot on the uh, the neck of the oppressed in other countries <laughs> for oil? Yeah, Dylan's like, yeah, because Dylan or no one forced me to. Lol, and he was like, yeah, I kind of assume those deals were off now. I love it. Also, um, well, it's like, like so you, you guys liking- used to do right, this but- a lot. Like, did you? So used you to know always- each other? Yeah. Like you have had interactions. You can't claim they're like, oh, we're complete strangers. Like, you've got familiarity. But Ken's like, no, no, no. If I don't get these boxes out tonight, they won't make it to the singular ship. And he was like, I'm sorry, but I have my Vogue application video that's due. And she kind of pauses. Like, she's asking herself, what time is it? And then she actually says, what time is it? So, Ken's like melting down a little. Vodka o'clock. Ken's like melting down. And he's like, this is so personal for me. My mom's retired military. I'm picturing Which,
1: Caitlin's mom as um the, like, Randall Park character on Veep. Who <laughs> just mentions yes. military service constantly.
2: Yes. It's, what happened to him on Veep?
1: I don't know. <laughs> i have like, still on season four of that show. I, I love got, that show, but I don't have HBO Go right now, so I'm, like, way behind.
2: I've, I just watched the new one, and I'm so glad that show's back. I guess because he got fresh off the boat, so... <laughs> Chung is no longer running for for president. Um, Also, at some point, I think we need Caitlin's mom as a character, right? It seems weird that
1: we haven't met her yet, actually.
2: yeah. Hey, mom, your shit is messy. Clean it up. Your affairs are messy. Um, But Dylan's like, I'm sorry. I got the art history paper on design to start. And Caitlin should just be like, oh, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, something more important than school to do, too. Caitlin's like, like What? And this is where like, he has to like take a breath and something something very personally. He's like, Andrew's out of town for the week, thank God. He's in Seattle, and our anniversary is coming up. So I'm composing a piece for him. So it's been at least a year, right? I mean,
1: unless it's like a month anniversary or something. I don't know. Here's but, the thing, Dylan. Like, Andrew has already demonstrated that he doesn't have an ear for music. Yeah. So I don't think you need to work that hard. Mm. Like, you don't really need to nail it like your first chair in the symphony. He's not going to be able to tell the difference.
2: Counterpoint. Uh, Dylan's piece is only 20 seconds long, so yeah. he's good. <laughs> it's a single riff, yeah, just it's keep doing it ad nauseum. Like, I, I would love if he, if Andrew came back, Dylan just played those same like four notes for half Dylan, an hour, and Andrew's like, That's beautiful. Dylan could
1: play Yakety Sax, and, and Andrew's gonna be like, Oh my god, it's amazing.
2: I hate that these podcasts are four hours long because now I want to go Google Yakety <laughs> Sax cello. On cello Take that cold play. Uh So Ava smiles bitterly, then sips her coffee, and Caitlin's like, that's very sweet, but aren't we supposed to be Nolan's perfect posse? And Dylan scoffs, and he's like, Caitlin, it's one pass, all right? Plus, we got to go to class. So he holds up his phone, indicating, you know, the time. And then uh, uh, I wanted Caitlin and Ava to be like, who's Andrew?
1: Yeah. Do they know <laughs> Andrew?
2: Oh, Or don't wet, they? Wet fucking noodle of a boyfriend? Yeah. Uh um or just for someone to be like, yeah, he kind of gives me the creeps, Dylan. I gotta I gotta say, you're uh y- you could do better. Um Caitlin's like, you're kidding. It's
1: just Dylan. like boom, I did do better. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know that, did you?
2: Dylan's like, well, I wish you would have reminded us. And Caitlin's like, Ava. And Ava's like, I'm sorry, shrug. I just can't squeeze it in. And Ava is out, and Caitlin's like FML. Um also Ava's gonna be dressed. Like a taller Veronica Lodge for half this episode? Like full dark, weird fashion?
1: Her fashion is mildly better, but they're doing like really weird things with like her shoulders and all mm-hmm. her costumes, which I don't know why they're doing this so with Sophie Sophia Carson.
2: Let's talk about her shoulders. What's going on there? They're
1: like weird and puffy in all the outfits she has, like in her coat here.
2: <laughs> I don't want to be a pirate.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Caitlin's just going to be in this jacket that looks like it's from 1983 the whole time.
2: Both her jackets are bizarre. Like this little capelet jacket is I, something. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Anyway, that's that scene. This is, uh, you know, the, the theme of this episode is uh, them learning to be friends or whatever.
2: And can they trust each other?
1: Yeah. And then we're going to cut to a close up of Mona and Mona's saying, what the hell are you talking about? Allie? And, like, she's just opened the door to her place and kind of steps aside in frustration, letting Allie in, uh, I guess she just rang the doorbell or something, and and filled uh Mona in on on all the the details, all the shit.
2: So let's just say this is the second episode in a row where Allison shows up at Mona's door, seemingly having knocked. We don't see it because PLL is very good about like just getting you past something and into the scene immediately. But with the usual theme of things of is this real? Thus begins my my I'm I'm starting to move all my chips well, let's, in on Mona's let's not
1: charted. I had something at the end of the podcast for that. We okay. got an email about that. Yeah. Ooh, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Mona says god I told you that Alibi was good for you not half your class didn't mm-hmm. we decide that you were going to drop the whole role model routine and go back to being the old Allie that we knew and love uh, mm-hmm. just lead an Allie through a place or a desk where she has like her computer set up and her laptop Um, do so you think this is like a miniature walk and talk from like a Sorkin show
2: a little bit there's a there's an element of that I mean it's not as long obviously but it's it's shorter it's tinier it's sexier yeah
1: and Allison says what lying conniving duplicitous uh, and Mona says your words not mine
2: classic setup
1: uh she sits at, down at her desk in front of the computer you can see she's getting frustrated Allison says I told you I'm trying to do what's right for these guys I need your help Mona and Mona's kind of equal parts like yeah 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 and maybe she's been dying for this she says all right what do you need for me And Allison says I have to imagine that Dana Booker is doing a deep dive on Ava Caitlin and Dylan and me too and Mona says why not I mean she's got all the beacon guard at her fingertips uh, so, yeah, still kind of unclear what the scope of Beacon Guard is. So it's Need cameras. I mean, it's it yeah. seems obvious that all this, like, various blackmail material is all coming from Beacon Guard.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, it's kind of fascinating, too. Oh, Jesus Christ, where the fuck is uh, uh, Caitlin's mom, then? That Beacon Guard has access to her bedroom or through a window yeah, or who, whatever.
1: Who even knows? Yeah.
2: But it's amazing what we'll put up with from the show that this show have the audacity to drop that ending to the pilot with Mona and the uh-huh, wall of screens yeah. three episodes later, two episodes later, we're just like, no, nah, we'll wait. Do you
1: think it's a better or worse show right now? If we never got a, that scene with like Mona's like, I don't know, control center and B uh, Nolan going to meet Taylor. Like if you just took those out of the pilot
2: for sure, Nolan and Taylor, I would have taken that out. It it's it's just too confusing and you're just slanting it in a direction that's it it, it, it seems like it takes away the ability for us the to characters learn. too much yeah yeah but it's very frustrating i don't know maybe you're right about the ending scene because like why the fuck is mona sitting here in her apartment on a computer when presumably she could just go into work right and like yeah like, it you, just, you and you give me the download
1: it it puts us, I think, as he said, like ahead of the characters in a lot of ways. We're just kind of like waiting for shoes to drop. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no discovery that Mona has some secret weird are shit going on. Are you they trying to know.
2: get the fuck away from it as fast as possible, or is that not Beacon Guard? Though, again, in the second episode, they included a Beacon Guard logo there. So, I mean, you whatever. would think
1: if you wanted to pivot away from that, you would have just cut it out of the pilot,
2: you know? Yeah, yeah, you would have thought. <laughs> You had that option in like the uh, nine months we were waiting for a release date.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyways, where are we here? Uh, Ali says, well, I was hoping that you have some tricks so that we can see what she's up to, uh, her meaning uh, Booker. And we've seen Mona's face reflecting on her screen as she's trying to get into Beacon Guard via some hacking. And she says, under normal circumstances, good idea. Today, no can do. I'm locked out of BHU's network. All my records and my code, everything's been walled off. Allison's like, "What? Why?" Mona says, "Suspicious activity on my account. They must know I've been trying to figure out who killed Nolan." Uh, why? Why would they want to stop Mona from doing that?
2: Seriously? Hmm. Yeah, indeed. Why? <laughs> <laughs> this is the best part of our notes too, is because we split it up. We get to reflect on each other's questions posed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Allison says, "But we need to do our own suspicious activity." That's a good line. Allison gets like all the good lines in this episode. Yeah. Sasha oh, Peters is just like, give it all to me.
2: It's clear she's the star.
1: Yeah, right? no, this this episode is like so like Allison's the star, everyone else is like, you know, and orbiting her.
2: This 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 episode confirms the perfectionist is all cagney, very little lazy.
1: Uh Mona says, uh, well, right now there's only one database I still have access to. And she kinda reaches over beside her, uh, and pulls out a big leather-bound book. Hands it to Allison and Allie stares at it. In. She says, BHU's yearbook? What the fuck? And when it says, Dana Booker is going to throw all the Garchi guard she's got at this. Uh, she's going to find out that you lied for your alley buddies. So is that like an alibi joke? Like alley, I don't know. alley buddies? Uh, yeah. The only question is when. And Allison doesn't like this and makes some Allison face and kind of stares off.
2: So Mona providing Allison with a yearbook, which gives her clues later. I'm just saying that's something your dissociative identity would do to guide it, you in your hero's quest. It, it certainly is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, I guess the next day we get, uh, an establishing shot outside Thorn hall. There's a bell ringing. Um, then we're in Allison's classroom. Allison's like holding center court in front of the podium. As students are coming in and taking their seats, including Ava in the foreground in her like capelet heading up to the stadium seats, her usual spot. Again, this is like what the fourth or fifth class of the semester. If that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It doesn't seem. Also, it seems like this class meets every day. It seems
1: like this is the only class that exists at BHU.
2: Yeah. But like every day, that doesn't seem collegey. Um, Three times a week oh, at most. Yeah. Yeah. Also, doesn't it seem like there's less students now? <laughs> Like, do you think they dropped it because of the tragedy or because of the wildly incorrect reads? And then there were none that got <laughs> tossed off. That's a good or question. The the idea that you're going to show up on day one and do a thousand page paper do the next day or a thousand <laughs> like, words. Fuck that. Yeah, Allison's like, "Good morning," and so. One of the newly arrived students is Mason, and he heads over to a seat near the cluster of stars of this very show. And Allison's like, I know this is an easy time for any of us to return to classwork, but it could also be the best thing for all of us. Again, you've had at least one class since the return. So. It's
1: probably been a couple more days at least, yeah.
2: Yeah, so did you just do nothing? <laughs> well, she this? left
1: her class last time, so...
2: Yeah, good question. Does she come back or she's just like, eh, fuck it. Students will get the, will get the hint in a minute. I'm <laughs> to the bar. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as Allison's talking, Mnason maneuvers himself into like, Nolan's old seat like, right next to Caitlin. Caitlin has this look on her face like she's processing how to bring up this faux pas. Uh, before that can happen, Ava locks in on this vile act of taking this seat. like She's a Terminatrix and she's just like, get out of his seat. And he looks over for a second like before he like, realizes she's talking to or about him. And he's like, what? What are you talking but about? But he has
1: like a supreme asshole look on his face here. Like he knows think, what she's talking about. I
2: think after this, I think my, my take was initially not so much. And then he doubles but down. But he's
1: already like smiling as he says it.
2: Well, I think it's kind of a polite like, oh, my God, are you, are you actually bringing this up to me? Like, is this really like a crime?
1: I don't know. This guy, yeah, his whole move in this episode is like, suddenly, I'm a massive dick.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's a pathetic shit, but like, is this, is this a crime? Like, anyway, so she's just like, get out of his seat. And he's like, the the seat is up for grabs now. Right. I mean, come on. And Caitlin can't believe he'd be so unsensitive. She's like Mason, but yeah. Ava's not having any of this nonsense. She's like, get out of his seat, Mason. And she turns on dark Phoenix. And she fucking lunges at him Um, in a class where there's, Plenty of interesting chatter. Thankfully, Dylan is there. He grabs her, holds her back, and he's like, "Calm down, calm down." And Mason—this is when Mason really gives her like in-your-face bitch look. Um, having had enough of Ava, just storms out of class. And Dylan and Caitlin exchange glances. So Caitlin gets up. I don't know if like they're like mentally being like, "No you, no you, <laughs> no <laughs> you." Short straw. Caitlin like ex- he runs after her. And like Dylan gives Allison a look like, okay, sorry, it's over now. Takes a seat. And Mason, ever the bitch, gives Allison a look like, well, are you going to teach or what? Yeah, fuck yourself, Mason. But Allison's taking us all in. Looks like a look in her eyes. like Tells you she probably knows the best way to like flay a motherfucker. Um, you can hear one of the students say, like in the like aud- like audibly on the soundtrack, that's messed up. So finally Allison says to the class, like let's get started. I guess she's realized she can't run out <laughs> at the beginning of every class. Like they'll stop paying her if she does that
1: sooner or later. Yeah. You can only do that so many times.
2: If you only show up for role.
1: <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, outside you see Ava's like running down the steps across the campus. Uh, Caitlin's following her and you know, like 20 feet behind calling out like Ava, Ava. And then Dana Booker, I don't know where she's like runs in and cuts her off. And she's like, shouldn't you be in class? Is something wrong? And for some reason, Caitlin doesn't say, Hey, fuck off and keep running. Like what are you, she- truancy cop? <laughs> yeah. She says, no, no I, I just uh, I forgot a book like Caitlin. You don't have to give her any respect like this isn't a high school. Yeah. You can you can just tell her to piss off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Dan says, well, you might be checking on your friend Ava. She seems upset about something. It's like, she's, fuck off, you whiny bitch. Uh, Caitlin says there are a lot of people here who could have issues with Nolan. OK, so why are you so focused on us? Dana says, because I've been watching you, and thanks to Beacon Guard, I can see all the way back to when you first came to the PHU, which is creepy.
0: Mm-hmm, unsettling.
1: And, yeah. Dana says, uh, you know what's interesting? You three never spent any time together unless you were around Nolan. Like, so? Yeah, you know, like what what kind of manpower hours is she using to determine that?
2: Well, like tell me, can Beacon Guard just collate this data or what?
1: Yeah, I don't know, some sort of intelligent uh you know image recognition where it can tell you that you know there's no video of these two without nolan present or or something
2: i've got a crisis suite i've had like 15 system analysis like just like working night and day working in shifts but it's like collating the footage it's like caitlin
1: she's a -a rent-a-cop you don't have to talk to her
2: also she is not the police yeah that's this is like the big weird thing about the fucking show to me. <laughs> We're not even pretending like the cops would be interested in this. Like where is this an active investigation by police? Have they deputized her? I don't think that's how it works.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, and then it's Caitlin, uh, where are we here? Caitlin says, all right, I got to go to class. And she turns back Then Booker calls after her and says, what he, was he holding something on you? and Caitlin turns back and says no and jane says are you sure because something that would destroy your family uh, got out and then so you're saying that's the actual line it just sounds weird because i know we've gotten a couple uh tweets from uh us saying that like the uh, closed captioning is not exactly accurate
2: no this is before i got closed captioning so okay. i was actually watching
1: yeah uh, so dana pulls out a pink folder from a purse and hands it to Caitlin. Uh, it's got some photos in it, including the one from Nolan's phone that he showed her in the pilot, with like Caitlin's mom making out with the dude. Um, yeah, had a dude. Yeah, how did we never talked two weeks ago about how Nolan got this? I just assumed Beacon Guard, I guess. Mm, mm, makes sense. Caitlin's like, you know, her face is like, "Oh shit!" And Dane says, "Nothing stays secret forever." A dramatic push on Caitlin, kind of processing this it's fucked up shit. I just don't know why they bother to give Booker the time of day. I mean, they have to because it's a TV show, obviously, but.
2: I don't know how kids like the the generation that's like younger than us that we interact with, the, you know, 10 years younger, not generation. But like, I feel like you and I were probably raised certainly in that, that group of, of children is like, well, you have to mind your elders. And that was like advice that I always like soundly ignored because. I don't know. You have to earn my respect to a certain uh, degree, I but like, I don't know if that's
1: a a uh, singular generational thing. I think that's every generation.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like I like I look at some of like the younger people now and they're fucking mongrels, no social skills at all. But like I guess mine are like you know, the tides, they come and go for sure, but like yeah, like I don't know if this is just like oh, I've I've always been told like I have to respect authority figures or I just believe in authority figures because of my mom. yeah you can just keep on walking
1: it just seems like we needed a line of like somebody explaining how dangerous Dana Booker is like she could expel you if you don't cooperate you know just something to like let us know that like they have to deal with her
2: Mm -hmm. I don't know why it's not brought up to Claire later I need you to get that bitch to back off of me it's really cramped my style
1: Uh, so after the commercial we come back right to where we left off
2: making me feel less perfect (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah Caitlin says what is this and she pushes the folder back at Dana Dana opens it and glances at the photo again and says it looks like your mom the senator in an unidentified male doing something like your other and Caitlin says I know I know I know what it is I've seen it before I'm asking you why you're showing it to me I mean blackmail obviously Caitlin <laughs> Dana says I thought it was worth discussing Caitlin says well it's not where'd you get it and Dana says off your boyfriend Nolan's phone is he the one who showed it to you Caitlin says, I mean, we both knew it was fake and he wanted to warn me, which is a nice little thinking on your feet uh, explanation for that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Some people will believe anything they see. Dane says, that's what interests me. The fact that some people would believe this is what makes it dangerous. Uh, If Nolan showed it to you, how many other people did he show it to? And Caitlin says, Nolan wouldn't. And Dane says, I imagine you'd be willing to do anything to make sure that was true. And Caitlin's just like, you know where I was that night? So stop harassing me. Now I really have to go. And she goes back to Thorn Hall, but we can see, like, you know, her face now that's turned away from Dana. She's freaking out. Mm. I mean, I guess uh, there's nothing else Dana could be doing, like checking more angles or surveillance footage and tracking various people on campus. She's maybe, like, these three look suspicious the way they're just standing around talking to each other. I'm just going to focus entirely on them.
2: Maybe hunting down the mysterious gap in footage and mm-hmm. like a quadrant or investigating or, I mean, why that gap happened or just like give me a monologue about like listen to me i'm i'm old school police i'm fbi like i know you like technology's great and all but you got to push the human angle or whatever yeah. you know like like there's not a, I lot know a like, liar when i see one like she's like i'm more of a trope than an actual character <laughs> i'm more of a device in the storytelling um so that same park from earlier we're gonna get a lot of use out of this park um something everyone's favorite place to go to relax
1: you see there's like a little beacon guard like pillar in the background yeah, like a little yeah.
2: security thing. <laughs> this park is monitored. So Allison's like just chilling at this picnic table. And just imagine saying that. Oh, my office hours? They'll be in the park. <laughs> I don't have an office. I have a. No, park I th- she does
1: have an office. This is just I don't know, unofficial or something.
2: Yeah, I, I guess. So she's that like, like,
1: "Hey, fuck boy, meet me in the park."
2: Yeah. <laughs> I want to see that threatening text. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i'll be at the uh, table near where people are doing like flying kites so anyways, that asshole mason like struts up to her he sits across from her at the table and we see that alice like flipping through the yearbook she got from mona and mason's like i know why you asked to see me and she's like oh yeah and he's like yeah do you think that i should uh report ava's behavior now i, I don't want to get in her in trouble but uh she seemed a little aggressive don't you think
0: yeah and a Allison's like,
2: yeah alice is like while I know that Awas actions have no place in the classroom, I think you sitting in Nolan's seat was a little insensitive. And he's like, well, that's exactly what he would have done. And also does this head roll thing. Like, maybe she can utilize her neck and rotator cuff to avoid some of this bullshit. He's flinging at her. And um, Allison's like, oh, you and Nolan were friends. And he nods. And she's like, seem like you guys did everything together. And he nods. And Allison continues, like, sports, classes, clubs, probably each other. He was always number one, and you were right behind him. Mason's like, guess you'd call it a good-natured rivalry. And Allison says, you were happy with that? And Mason says, well, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Membership in uh, Nolan's circle came of the benefits. The parties were great. And? Yeah. <laughs> Allison's like, and then what happened? And Mason's like, well, he came here. So they were high school buddies. I guess. <laughs> after, after Mason did some kind of thing and this girl in our class like, got her face scarred up conceptually by her father and she may or may not have died and become a, a spirit ghost trapped in another girl's mind. Things changed. Yeah. So well, he's just maybe,
1: like, Oh man, I, I can't believe Mason attended the college that his mother owns.
2: Or that Nolan did. Yeah. 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 Or the Mason. Atten- yeah. I mean, whatever. Later we're going to find out from a trusted source that Mason's smart. I haven't seen it so far, but yeah, Mason says he came here and I like, Oh, so things changed. And Mason's like, no, he changed. I guess having your name on half the buildings on campus will do that to you. You know, priest all those benefits, well, he took them away, along with Caitlin. He took her too. Are we to assume uh, that
1: somehow in high school, Mason was just the assault of the earth dude who didn't take advantage of his privilege ever?
2: Well, no, What what what's obviously being said here amongst dudes is that Mason got to take advantage of those privileges as well, and then shockingly, the and rich then- guy took them away. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It just, it seems weird that like college would be the, the factor, you know, it's yeah. like, why, why wasn't it always this way?
2: Oh, what, what, I just wonder, like, what is the mechanism by which he took Caitlin away? Like, did like Mason come like back to his apartment and like Caitlin is just like riding Nolan think, and she's like, it's not what you think.
1: I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Dylan just looks right at Mason and says, or not Dylan, uh, Mason fucking a god damn these <laughs> names nolan mason dylan nolan looks at mason and says it's exactly what you think
0: <laughs> Nolan's
2: like it's just about the sex and caitlin's bored of you <laughs> <laughs> um so Austin's like you know normally like boo fucking who so today in class was what you trying to get back in them Mason's like, I told you. It's what no one would have expected. Hell, it's what he would want me to do. And that's not a secret. No, that's a toxic relationship, bro. It's like Mason
1: like left like a will. It's like, should I die, Mason? It's your responsibility to be the new asshole on campus. Yeah. I
2: want you to throw out all social norms. Yeah. Um, also, in this in this like second half of this scene, all of his lines are ADR'd when it's on sausage, Sasha's coverage.
1: Well, this is what's so weird is that um, this is a completely different character than we saw in the previous episode. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He was just a weepy, like heartbroken bitch in episode two. And this week he's like, want to be Mason 2.0 or want to be Nolan 2.0.
2: I mean, I really need the flashback where, like you said, he gets a note, you know, like a lawyer is just like, this is from like uh, Nolan Hodges in case he dies. Like he reads it and we hear the voiceover and like uh, Chris Mason's like, Mason, my bro. I don't use this word lightly, but if I'm dead, I need you to be a real cunt. Just just be so shitty all over campus.
1: <laughs> I almost spit out my water there.
2: <laughs> but to me, Mason just comes off as so like, not just an asshole, but like pathetic and weird. Like this grudge it's... against the dead guy is going to get you fucking nowhere. <laughs> well, it's
1: kind of like petty. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh... Anyway,
1: it's time for Dylan's dorm apartment. Uh, Dylan's playing the cello. We're getting some serious cello face here. He's composing a song for Andrew. Uh, it's just like a single riff, pretty much. Uh, this, scene is, now, this scene is so weird because it doesn't pay off in this episode. No. But I can only assume this is going somewhere because uh, it's, it's like he stops, kind of rotates his arm like he's like sho- uh, sore shoulder, you know, he mm-hmm. gets up, goes over to a coffee table, like kind of looking through some papers and pulls out what seems to be, I guess it's supposed to be a patch or something. It looks like just like a piece of paper, like a post-it note. He mm-hmm. takes off his, his uh, shirt so he's like totally shirtless. And I don't know, it's like a cheesecake shot or something. Um, I mean, Is he a beefcake? I don't know. I mean, he's not like, like super say, built or cheesecake? anything. I guess it's the same thing. Yeah.
2: Okay. Is, yeah. I was, did they call it cheesecake? Because I don't want
1: cheesecake. Nor that's for women, I guess. Um, okay. I, I mean, I don't know. He's, he's like in shape, but he's not like buff, I guess is how I describe him.
2: I mean, yeah, it's not like an unattractive dude, but it's not like, yeah, it's like rippling muscles.
1: It's, it's not like Chris Hemsworth. Yeah.
2: He doesn't have Brie Larson's back. If you know what I'm talking about.
1: So he, he puts this like patch or you know piece of paper on his back shoulder, and it sticks there. And then he puts his shirt back on and goes back to playing the cello. And it's like I, I guess eventually this is going to go somewhere because why else is the <laughs> scene here?
2: Is is a drugging him like alla like Emily in the pain gel or whatever? Is it like, oh, I'm sorry, you can't be first chair in the symphony. You tested positive for steroids.
1: Yeah, you're using too much Icy Hot or something. I don't know. It's it's a, an odd scene, I guess. It's like, I guess there was no way they could have done that in a scene with him and the other two. It's been weird him yeah. to take a shirt off in front of them. but
2: Yeah, a well, symphony world can't handle any more roid <laughs> crises of scandals. So meanwhile, at Ava's place. Oh,
1: <laughs> ever, ever since Yo-Yo Ma hit seventy-three home runs that year, it's just <laughs> it's a black mark on this on the whole industry.
2: Yo-Yo yeah, Ma. Uh, meanwhile, at Ava's place. Ava's like pouring some vodka in one of her red Solo cups. So I sit in her laptop. She's like pulled like a, a dresser or a shelf thing like over to the foot of her bed, and like turned it like into her desk. I find out later, she's so knocking her well, door. Yeah,
1: it's like does she not have a desk in her massive fucking dorm room?
2: Well, her dorm room is very strange too because. This episode would lead you to believe it's this bedroom with the door right there that leads into the hallway. Uh-huh. We have seen last week that there's a whole other hallway within her living space that goes to another door, and if this is and that doesn't have a that doesn't have a door on it, so if this is the same room, This obviously isn't the same room where the model was writing. Nolan, no, but it doesn't mean it's not meant to be Ava's place still because again, things change magically in PLL. Whatever. Knock on the door. Door's opening. New breakout star of the show enters the fold.
1: Oh, we, my new favorite character.
2: We hear, Ava, it's Zoe. Can I come in? And uh, she, come in, she does. Uh, everyone's favorite, Zoe. Pause to applause. Uh, she sees Ava finishing that, that, uh, that pour and gives Ava this like, or Ava gives her like this like, oh, spare me look. And Zoe is all just judgmental concern. She's like just a, a cute little Muppet of, uh, I don't know. She's got a- <laughs> I don't like what you're doing.
1: She's got a light pink sweater on, which I feel like says a lot about her character.
2: This is an actress named Roxanne Stathos, who has like a single other credit on her IMDb, mm-hmm. for something called Trinkets. So um, Zoe's all judgmental concern. And Zoe's like, you're not going to record your Vogue interview now, are you? And Ava sips and shrugs, and she's like, it's due tomorrow. And, a- and Zoe's like, yeah, but. And Ava's like, but what? Nolan died? Well, life goes on. And he like, takes another sip, senses something in Zoe's vibe, and she's like, what? So he's like, also, you're day drinking, which is something I've never seen you do before this week. <laughs> and he was like, and you're wearing my coat, which is something I've, I've seen you do a lot before this week. And so he's just like, oh, <coughs> busted. Oh, wow. How did that happen? And he was like, keep it. It looks good on you. And so he's like, Really? And he was like, Mm-hmm. And so he's like, Didn't your dad give this to you? And he even gives her a look like maybe this is a thread she shouldn't be pulling on. So he's like, If you're being serious, you must be wasted. And he was like, Well, I won't tell him if you won't. <laughs> the score here is kind of great because it's like, it's a little bit ominous and different than PLL. Like, like, I feel like Zo- in this scene, Zoe has this look on her face like she's just realized she's entered the monster's cave and she might be in danger. And Ava says, isn't it like sorority rush or something tonight? And Zoe's, like-, <laughs> Zoe's like, BHU doesn't have sororities and it's a volunteer day, remember? And Ava jumps up now, like moving towards Zoe. She's like, great. So go do that and leave me alone. There's, like, real venom in her tone, but still measured. So she, like, backs Zoe into the doorway. And, and Zoe's like, Ava, I'm worried about you. And I can't tell if Ava's, like, looking down, uninterested in Zoe's concern. Or if she's, like, staring right at that coat she just gifted her. But Zoe gets the hint. She leaves. And then, like, Ava contemplates what she's done, and she shuts the door.
1: You know, the one incongruous detail about Zoe is that she is wearing, like, thigh-high leather boots.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: Which doesn't seem to totally fit her, I don't know,
0: no i would basic disagree girl because, you
1: think so
2: like that look that hair look like she's going for something cute uh, i
1: don't know i got a real like uh what's the uh, like tina majorino and napoleon dynamite that was like the vibe i got from this character
2: oh no I'd, I'd say she's a little more she's read some she's probably watched ava's video so she's attempting a few of those fashion fixes sure um yeah i, I think she's there's a there's like a, a a little more polish to her cuteness than uh Like Tina Majorino in that movie. Yeah. So then we get, I don't know. I just in general, what did you think of this upcoming scene? Because I think I kind of liked it a lot. I I thought it was okay.
1: But a little, I I feel like I've probably seen this done before, I guess.
2: It's like uh, if the show had a little more legs, and I knew these characters and I cared about them more and we were having fun. Uh This could have been like Hannah's dance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We don't know the character enough. I don't think for it to land as well as it could.
2: Yeah. So we get an instrumental cover of Lady Gaga's Just Dance starting on cello. A lot of money paid to the vitamin String Quartet on the show. So this is going to be Ava's Vogue internship video montage here. Um, it's very interestingly shot. It starts with like kind of a shot of her like checking herself out in her compact, like the mirror of a compact. Then it like alternate between like close-ups of her face, particularly like her eyes or her mouth, and then like shots of the laptop as if the video is later playing full screen on the laptop. It's very weird. Um, And so Ava starts like, how am I the perfect choice for Vogue? Size, Lots of drinking, lots of pouring. Pouring or just like taking swigs from the bottle. So she takes a sip from a red cellar cup, you know, and, and she's just like, how am I the perfect choice for Vogue? The perfect choice for Vogue? Choice for Vogue? I feel like I used to know the answer to that one. Who am I? I am a person. And like the cut here is like holding this like vodka bottle, like pouring some in her cup, making a little ooh face as she's maybe spills it. And she's like, Who am I not? And like there's some escalated drunk acting. Like for example, the last question, she kind of pauses and like stares off for half a second, like really pondering that, like, who am I not? And they says, I am not someone who asks myself to be defined by what other people think of me, by what other people think of me. Mm -mm." And she points off at other people, maybe meaning Zoe, maybe meaning what Zoe represents. And she's shaking her head like, no, and she's like, no, sir.
0: Mm -mm. Hmm."
2: And then then that kind of mm -mm isn't like the red solar cup. She takes another sip and she's like, I know that. And she high fives herself, which is the most awesome, drunken, ridiculous antic ever. And she's like, that was good. Where I, guess, the stuff another drink.
1: I guess my thing with this scene is that I feel like everything she said there felt pretty generic like I don't yeah, really yeah. feel like I have a deeper understanding of her character after this I just feel like I'm watching a drunk person kind of you know spout kind of these like general who am I you don't know who I am like you know like I don't know there's nothing yeah. like nothing meaty in there
2: I don't know if I'm picking her for my Vogue internship based on this video yeah. but it's very weird that Nothing in episode two, episode three, the return of the voiceovers from Ava and maybe a a device by which we can assume they're originating from. And then it's like, okay, what was going on in episode one? Was that like, was that going to be like later revealed? Like part of one of her videos or something like you're a BHU. Someone is going to snap now. Check out this lipstick. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. Uh, Meanwhile, it's student union. Uh, it's like volunteer day, which seems to be three different things. There's like a food drive. There's some sort of campus cleanup crew. And then this care package station that Caitlin is doing make a difference volunteer day. Uh, so we see Caitlin's, she's like stuffing some brown paper bags, with toothpaste, toothpaste or whatever. She seems distracted. She keeps looking off. Zoe of course is there standing next to Caitlin, uh, her little partner in crime. And, uh, Zoe can tell that uh, Caitlin's head's like not in the game. She says, uh, "Hey, fearless leader, you're breaking your cardinal rule." Uh, Caitlin's not paying attention to Zoe. Instead, we see that she's looking over, like on the far side of the student union. Dana Booker is like chilling on a couch, kind of intently looking at something on her BHE uh, tablet there. And Zoe's like, "Caitlin, what's up with you?" And Caitlin says, "What?" And Zoe says, "You just put three tubes of toothpaste into one bag." And we see Dana Booker has been made aware that she's apparently, you know, getting under Caitlin's skin by this. And she's looking over now. And Zoe says, is there some dental emergency in Afghanistan I don't know about? <laughs> yes. And Caitlin says, yeah, uh, Zoe, I actually got to go. I got to take care of something. And Zoe says, <laughs> no, this is your thing. And we're short two people already.
2: So if you were wondering who was the first person to get the Emily Fields, hey, cover God. for me award. <laughs> it's Caitlin
1: oh
0: yeah
1: Yeah. um so where is i um so she's like no we're too uh, short two people already and ken says i know i'm sorry i won't be gone long i promise just keep stuffing we got to get these out tonight and so he says i can tell it's important by how you're bailing in the middle of it (laughs) Uh, what what is wrong with everybody around here but oh caitlin's already gone so i was meaning to look at the uh IMDb, like, can we expect more of new breakout star Zoe? Uh, That's
2: a good question. On her IMDb, it just says it doesn't even have like the episode. Oh, it does. It uh, Patrick Girl. So not the next one, but the one after.
1: Okay. It just seemed like a an odd introduction. Three episodes in for this character. Oh shit!
2: Mm. I feel like her imd page has been updated since we started recording. There's more credits on here now. Interesting. Was in something called Dick Strange. This is a TV show. She played a character called Princess. Dick Strange. The first episode is is called, who is Dick Strange? (laughs) Please,
1: my father was Richard. Call me Dick.
2: It's something called Bible Man. Holy shit. Like I feel like while we're recording, Roxanne Stathos is updating her IMDb. She knows she's a breakout star. I just thought like... Last week, some some design set design detail was just like oh, we got to make it look like uh, Ava's got more than just two friends. Well, let's just throw a name in there, and I love that there's like something a Zoe character shows up, who also stopped calling after a while.
1: Well, this <laughs> definitely seems like a character you kind of want on a show like this
2: mm-hmm. because they're the
1: they're up to something. Clearly, you know, like everything about this character screams she's secretly the one who did it.
2: I don't know about that. I think at least if nothing else, I mean, not that you can't go there, but at a certain point, you got to have more characters on your show. Like there's not, there's no world. If, if I don't know, like you know I'd rather, think,
1: I'd I, rather have her than uh British Jeremy, you know, because like
2: she's, okay.
1: she's interacting in like plot ways instead of just like, here's another scene of Caitlin and Jeremy.
2: Well, right now I would, I, I half agree. I don't dislike British Jeremy. I, I like him more as like a an SO than like Andrew. I mean, their name's confused. Yes, yeah, Andrew. But like at least Zoe goes to the school yeah. on the show. In the show, other than like that casting, you know, announcement, in the show, we've heard a toss-off comment that he's a rocket scientist, but the show has not established who he is or where he works. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like we have no we know nothing about that relationship at all. Yeah. And I think part of the problem is you know, as a writer, when you're writing something and you're building your backstory and you're doing all this stuff and all the things that you need to know, you don't always think about, am I communicating all of this? And with PLL, we just accept certain things because this kind of falls in that same PLL visual language. But like a lot of this shit, I don't know if they're just like, oh, you're here for the ships. You're here for this nonsense. Here's some text message bullshit. It's like, I don't know who these characters are. You're not doing a great job of establishing all of this.
1: Well, it's it's easier in high school too because – It's like, oh, well, obviously, this character is a high school student because they're in class with you, or they're, you know, the teacher, obviously. But um, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's in college, it's just like people just kind of drift in and out, you know? And it's like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so that mm -hmm. guy's a rocket scientist, I guess. He works for, you know, we we know from our own investigation that he works for the Hotchkiss Industries, but Mm -hmm. you wouldn't really know that from watching the show.
2: But it might behoove a show, yeah, to mention. This is how Caitlin met her boyfriend or this is what he does or he's playing hooky from work to like have car sex with her or or what have you. Yeah. Dude just really likes egg McMuffins. They don't have them in England, I guess. Anyway, uh, somewhere on, on the BHU, camp, BHU campus outside, we're near Scott Hall. Um, The Hall, not the Scott. Claire is just like chatting with some guy in a park bench and she has this dude like, great. She's holding some like blueprints or something. She sees Caitlin. She rolls these up, goes back to the guy who leaves. And she's like, oh, there you are to him. And, and or she says, oh, there you are to Caitlin, to the dude. She says, there you go. Sends this guy on his way. She, Caitlin comes over, leans down, hugs Claire, sits beside her on this bench. And Caitlin's like, sorry for the short notice. Thank you for seeing me. Really? How are you? How, how are you doing? And Claire's like, oh, I'm keeping it together. <laughs> the uh, plans for the renovation of the old campus, wink, are keeping me occupied. Thankfully you, Caitlin's like shrug. And like Claire starts like going into her purse or something, and she's like, "Oh, um, I was gonna call you because I was looking through Nolan's room, and I found uh, a lot of loads that he dropped. But I also found this thing here that was clearly it was for you, and I know your birthday's coming up." So Claire hands Kaylin a present, like a like an elegant black box, like a yellow ribbon or slash bow on it. And Caitlin's like, "Oh, um, thank you." And Claire's like, "You seem worried." And Caitlin's like, "Uh, your new head of security, Dana Booker." came to see me today. She showed me some photos from (laughs) Nolan's phone and Claire nods. Caitlin's like, continue. She's like, some embarrassing ones of my mom. And Claire's like, yeah, I've seen them. And Caitlin's like, you, what, what? Claire's like, what can I do to help? And Caitlin's like, um, uh, you, you can make sure that no one else sees them. I mean, it's one of the largest donors to my mother's campaign and Claire's like, consider it done. (laughs) Claire's just like, yeah, I've seen them. I I watched the video. I rubbed it out. (laughs) Not bad. Uh I didn't really believe the story per se, but uh I believe the emotion and the um uh, this all seems fishy or maybe too easy for Caitlin. And she's getting that vibe because it is. And Kane's like, really? And Claire's like, well, I've watched you grow up, Caitlin. You're you're like family. <laughs> and your secret's safe with me. Cain's like, thank you, Claire. Really? There's anything I can do for you. Anything. I don't know why I'm I'm putting my position myself in a position to owe you something. Well, so like her is Caitlin's
1: mom and Claire, are they like BFS or something? She watched Caitlin grow up. Seemingly like it's been so Caitlin would have known Nolan potentially for like a really long time, maybe.
2: Yeah. Presumably it's a little bit of the aspect of the the Caitlin Jeremy relationship from the books. God, this is gonna get real confusing with yeah, the names.
0: Yeah. But, but like it's it's, it's odd because
1: all... um Ava's so much more broken up about Nolan dying, but it seems like Nolan is potentially like, if not necessarily a childhood friend of Caitlin's, at least like one of those, like your parents are friends who you know each other for a really <clears throat> long time type of deals.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I feel like, well, first of all, so I, I I get the sense that they took more elements from the perfectionist books and kind of shaved them off and crafted them. I don't know, montage style into something else. Some kind of like found art object here, data-esque plotting. But I feel like they figured out a lot of story. And then when they sat down to do the pilot or write a pilot, it was like, Ooh, shit. How can we, all, how can we like relay any of this in the narrative, you know, of yeah. over the course of like two days? Like, how do you get into the Caitlin and Nolan backstory and how well they've known each other? Cause they, I would guess seemingly had a genuine relationship for a time. And then broke up. And then he showed up when she started dating a new guy and was just like, you're going to continue to date me in public. You know, like, I don't know, man. Um. And so anyway, so she's, uh, you know, thank you, Claire. Really, if there's anything I can do for you, anything. Claire's like, actually, there is. Dana Booker said that she's looking into three people in the investigation of Nolan's murder. Okay, and it's like, um, Claire. And Claire's like, I know you had nothing to do with it. And like Caitlin's like, mm-hmm, nod. And Claire's like, but Dylan is a small-town boy, and Ava is a felon's daughter, and they're Dylan's both a, effectively... he's a
1: small-town boy living in a lonely world. Yeah. <laughs> and Ava, she took that midnight train going anywhere.
2: Yeah. And effectively, they're both poors now, so... Um, but she's like, the stakes aren't as high for them. Do you understand? And Caitlin's like, yeah, I think so. And I'm like, do you? <laughs> Fucking do you? Claire's like... Did he have something on them? Which, first of all, lady, analyze that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Your son's a monster. Caitlin's like, uh, or I don't know. I mean, you have to ask Dylan and Ava. Claire's like, no, I, I want you to find out.
1: Not if you understand.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Caitlin's like, uh, uh, yeah, no, I'll try. Oh, you're blackmailing me now, you bitch. <laughs> Claire's like... Well, when you have what have you ever tried and not succeeded. And Caitlin's got this great like <laughs> polite like what the fuck face. So Claire considers this transaction is done. She gets her bag to leave and she's like, "Thank you." And Caitlin's like, "Yeah, thanks Claire." And like once Claire's gone, Caitlin makes some Caitlin face. And it's kind of hilarious, but it's, it like just ties into that like confusion of who what when where. <laughs>
0: yeah. I don't know.
2: It, I mean, like, like I think a lot of these actors are cast for the presence and the charisma they can bring and they can they can convey certain things and it's like it gets you past the big questions. It's not to like you do a podcast in the middle of the night that you're like, wait.
0: no, this makes working? sense. Yeah.
1: <laughs> all right. So after the commercial we're in Mona's place, she's working hard on her computer, kind of pushing in on her. We see a mirror behind her with all those math equations over it. Uh, in the mirror, we see Allison letting herself into the room. Like uh, I think it was uh Norman who said uh, he never shoots a mirror unintentionally. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um I, I'm always thinking about that because there's a lot of mirror shots of Allie in this episode.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh yeah, Allie entering in the mirror there. Very curious.
0: Uh-huh. Uh
1: and then she kinda sees uh what Mona's doing. She kind of comes up behind, taps Mona on the shoulder. is like so oblivious, she doesn't realize that she's there. And suddenly Mona's, like, startled by a sudden visitor. Mona also has those, like, uh, weird, like, non-AirPod, like, ugly black headphone things in. Which, Mm -hmm. like, I can only assume that, like, maybe they had, like, a product placement thing with, like, I don't know, Samsung or something. And then it, like, fell through. And so they're, like, never showing the logo.
2: I was like, what a shitty product because I can't see a logo. If, if that's like intentional well, you, or not.
1: you would think if it was if they're getting money for this they'd be sure to like show her putting them in a way in a case that like has the logo prominently displayed right. or something you
2: know? i mean it's no toyota corolla the no. best car on the market but like it's it's no microsoft kin um but like in the ava thing i was like oh ava's got some like ear poop you just need to wipe that away girl <laughs> that's embarrassing
1: that's gross no apparently
2: those are headphones
1: yeah yeah they're like wireless headphones anyway mona's startled she's like what the hell Allie? Allison, Allison she just gives no fuck she says what do you know about Mason Gregory and Mona of course she just knows off the top of her head she goes uh, he's super smart he used to be besties with Nolan and that probably ended when Nolan started dating his girlfriend plus he's model cute why is he is Mona
2: he, I mean is he like first of all he's 4'9 yeah
1: <laughs> Allie's just like oh he must be talking about different people then. yeah <laughs> Yeah, she's like, uh, just following a hunch. And Mona's like, oh? And Allison says, he was all weepy at the funeral and Nolan 2.0 in class today. That's called a lampshade.
0: <laughs>
1: and Mona says, so? People grieve in different ways. Uh, LOL, these two having this conversation. Uh, Allison says, yeah, and guilt looks a lot like grief if you're covering something up. We back on the network. And Mona says, nope, but I did learn from campus IT that the suspicious activity came from a single source. And Allie's like, Who? So, like, the I single mean, source isn't Mona?
2: Yeah, like, like would that be the implication if they locked her out of the account?
1: Yeah, it's... I don't know. Also, the, the less you interrogate just, the, the technology side of this, the better, probably.
2: Well, I mean, if she is flesh and blood real,
1: uh-huh.
2: is she just working from home or not working from home today?
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Or is she's that what it admissions is? Is that, Like, admissions, they're like, just like, do we give you an apartment near the campus or maybe you're on campus who the fuck knows but you just work from home yeah uh, whatever
1: uh so yeah where are we Mona says someone who doesn't want me to find out who killed Nolan and Allison says at least that means you're on the right track right Mona says it does which is good but if I don't find out I'm gonna spend the rest of my life knowing that I'm the one who got him killed okay does that was- really
2: bother her with Bethany Young
1: yeah <laughs> and Cece yeah Allison says, none of us got him killed, Mona. And Mona says, maybe. But whoever did this is smart, Allie. Is smart enough to pin murder on anyone they want. And Allison's like, hmm. It's weird that like we seem to kind of like be recontextualizing the stakes in this episode.
0: Yeah.
2: Like, I kind of wonder if the next two episodes if we're going to get more of an identity for this perpetrator. Like, it just makes me feel like how smart though nebulous like a was you I know, know you mean? a brilliant
1: villain yeah for sure
2: but like personifying it as it is an individual with this identity and a little bit of a look like really like maybe you at the end of each episode you saw like giallo black gloved hands doing something but like just this whole like somebody has our secrets and maybe they're leaving us like rat corpses or whatever like it's so there's nothing tangible yeah um so meanwhile at ava's place it's kind of like fascinating opening shots. He's like, start behind that dresser or whatever in the corner with the red solar cup Illuminati pyramid stacked up. We're like behind those cups panning around them. This uh, Is that like
1: a this, massive this, walk-in closet there? Like on the left side, I think
2: it might oh, be. Oh, but isn't that how they came in?
1: Yeah, I maybe mean, it's just one of two entrances here.
2: I was like, I also have a door on the other end of my ma- my massive walk-in closet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but, like, this kind of sucks compared to, like, Dylan's dorm apartment.
1: Ava's like really into cats. Is she? Yeah, she's got, like, a cat statue on her, like, dresser that she's using as a desk. And oh, then there's, like, cat gonna, stuff on the wall.
2: Later we're going to see some of Dylan's, like, framed artwork. And it's just, like, album covers from, like, famous composers, which is the most boring fucking thing I can think to hang on your wall. I mean, like,
1: kind of fits, I guess, if you're thinking of yeah, Dylan but- as, like, the Mackenzie. Yeah.
2: It, it, there's a difference between like a poster or a you know a portrait of Beethoven and, and like a cover of like the CD <laughs> to Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. <laughs> anyway, this, this sequence is kind of interesting because there's some slightly longer shots are part of it. We see um, more of that shelf or whatever she pulled over to the foot of the bed, to be her laptop stand. Uh, her laptop is still there, screen up, the pause still of her from her Vogue video. There's a hallway with all the fashion paraphernalia down it that we talked about. So there's a knock on the door.
1: You know, completely apropos, nothing completely unrelated to like anything that I think is going to happen in the show. But like if this was a shot and like the Ava character had died, wouldn't this be an interesting shot? Like with her, her picture on the computer screen there, like a video oh. just sitting there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I thought of that. Anyway. this shot
2: screams to me. This is why I brought up that this guy's background was like being a director of photography on several Uh shows. Because I think this is like it kind of reminded me like when, you know, Larry Reedman started directing episodes. And it's like you saw a much different visual style briefly checked into the usual language. Anyway, everyone knocks on the door and they just let themselves in. Yeah. what the Like
1: dorm rooms, they usually have locks that lock automatically, you know.
2: Yeah. But this is Caitlin this time. She comes in looking around. She's like, Ava. Ava, she says down that hallway, no answer. Caitlin has that present from Claire first, where she, like looks around. And I had just completely forgotten at first her scene of Claire because she starts like opening the top drawer of Ava's dresser. Like for some reason, like just curious what she thought she'd find in there. She like walks over and glances at the laptop, sees that pause video. She walks around the bed. She sees like Ava's diary on the nightstand. So she does this thing where she like, like Indiana Jones with the idol is like she sets the present down and takes the diary in its place. Um, she walks around like reading Ava's diary. She's just nosy AF. And we hear like Ava's diary voiceover of like, from the time I was a little girl, I always heard you're so much like your father. I love my mom, but my dad was my best friend. Caitlin notices the side of herself, like standing in front of this giant mirror. I mean, you can, you can see the rest of this page. It's all pretty much the same. It's yeah. 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 It's, it's boring. Um, and Caitlin gas, she's like, no, I'm not doing this. But she puts the diary back down where she got it. She picks up the present. There's like a slightly longer, like said, longer takes in the scene as she wafts around. Then half a moment later, Ava walks in, like munching on, I think jelly beans. Like surprised, to see, Caitlin, but like not upset or anything. And she's like, "Hey, Caitlin's like, hey, uh, door was unlocked, so I let myself in anyway." Is that your lunch? And like, Ava like looks down at her food, like, what a weird question. That I'm going to ignore. And Ava's like, "I thought you'd be in the student union." And Caitlin's like, a little awkward, hands over the present. She's like, "This is from Nolan." Claire thought it was for me, but he totally forgot my birthday last year. So it has to be for you. So Ava like sets down them jelly beans and takes the present. She opens it and like, we can't fully see what's in there, but we're going to find out later. It's a broken camera lens. And like Ava steps past Caitlin like into the spotlight in center stage She like touches the lens. She emotes. And Caitlin's like, Ava, you just completely turned your back to me. And over her shoulder, Ava says, it means a lot that you took the time to bring this to me. Thank you. Um, Sophia Carson will be great on soap operas. I really think so. Um, she gets that vibe. Burn. I, I kind of mean that in a good way. I don't know. Kaylin's um, <laughs> like pleased to have like done something nice, but surprised by it. So she changed the subject and she's like, well, I better get back to the student union. I've got about 800 more bags of stuff. So math wise, she's done 700 bullshit. Um, Caitlin turns to leave before she turns around. It was like, Hey, hold up. She like, turns to face Caitlin. I'm coming with you. Ken's like, what about your Vogue video? He was like, you went out of your way to do something nice for me. Even if it's just literally walking over here. And I did make you a promise. So... And Ken's like, oh, okay, thank you. And they follows her and like, does, a, does like does this weird spin around thing, like shut her door. like, I don't know, like she backs out into the hallway. She shuts the door. It's very strange. Um, he was like, plus I let Zoe take my coat and... I want it back. Like, <laughs> lol, Ava, lock your door. There's a murderer out there.
1: Yeah, she has like an actual deadbolt on her door. Like, this isn't uh, a college dorm that has automatic locking or anything like that.
2: Though, didn't like you have a thing in your dorm where like some guy kept coming and like use your microwave?
1: Well, we had to let him in. He wasn't, he okay. couldn't just come in on his own. Yeah.
2: Okay. Wasn't just like Kramer you?
1: No, because you'd, he, you know, take the bus downtown to Taco Bell. Uh, mm. Off campus, and then he'd take the bus back, and it takes you like at least a half hour. Uh, so the Taco Bell would be cold, and then you heat it up in a microwave.
2: That reminds me, did you ever listen to Do I Friday, where they investigated the uh, Trump McDonald's White House thing?
1: I think I heard that one. Yeah,
2: like the three hours, yeah, like how take, long it would get take that food yeah. to the White House? <laughs> Here's your cold McChicken, bitch. Congrats on your victory.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, cut to a fire burning in a hearth. It's night. The room is dark. We're panning across Allie's house. She's sitting on a couch paging through the BHE yearbook. She's got a cup of tea there. Uh, She's got her reading glasses on because even at the early age of like 25, she's already losing her nearsight there.
2: So Uh, when did you start wearing glasses and or contacts?
1: uh, So I started wearing glasses for nearsightedness in my mid-twenties. But that's because I could not see things far away from me, which is somewhat, you know, if you're that age that's more typical uh you don't start needing reading glasses till you're much older
2: okay so you're just saying she has shitty eyeballs okay cool
1: well no it's it's like she's wearing reading glasses which is odd because that's not something that young people need typically
2: i would love if somebody brings this up to her at the end of the season and she's like oh these i don't even need them yeah. i just put them on the feel smart <laughs> exactly yeah
1: <laughs> uh, so she pauses and peers closer at a photo of nolan and mason with fishing poles holding up uh, fish in front of the cabin uh, it will turn out later that this is the cabin that nolan met taylor at uh, given that there is no body of water near this cabin at least that we've seen can we assume that mason and nolan like caught a fish somewhere else left the fish on the hooks and then drove to this cabin and then staged the photos like a bunch of weirdos that is weird yeah uh, and also the uh, caption for this photo is secret days which speaking as a former yearbook editor what the fuck And Allie's just gazing in the distance, no doubt thinking the same thing about this photo that I was thinking.
2: You you know what that caption makes me think of? Huh?
1: Dropping loads. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And then Allie uh, looks up as though she can hear the cello music in the next scene. As we cut to Dylan playing the cello in his dorm apartment, he's making some serious cello face here. Uh, But then as he's like swiping on his little iPad like sheet music app, uh, swipes a couple pages over, and suddenly it's like a... uh, photo of him shirtless with nolan and like they're in the dark their arms are around each other big smiles on their face just drop some loads uh so, I,
2: i'm sorry continue i was gonna say i, I guess the
1: beacon guard camera captured this would be my assumption
2: well like when i first saw this when i first watched this episode my impression was that this was like in bed like they were laying on their uh, yeah i think it's just backs. like
1: tilted so yeah
2: is this camera just like literally right above them
1: i mean there's those beacon guard boxes everywhere so maybe there's like a little secret camera in there.
2: I'm just saying, would you move into a place where you're just like, there's a camera right above the well, bed?
1: Definitely not. No. Yeah. Toilet, maybe, but yeah. <laughs> so Dylan starts to panic. He's like swiping with his whole hand at his iPod, but it's like unresponsive.
2: Toilet cams totally make sense. You're just tracking performance.
1: <laughs> yeah. And Dylan he puts his cello down. He's like, really trying to make this picture go away. It's not happening. And then a voice calls behind him. It's Booker. He says, got a minute. Oh shit! Booker's right there in his open doorway. Uh, did she let herself in? Was the door open?
2: Can you imagine if your neighbor is just playing the same fucking cello riff see, for I, like three could, hours with the door open? I could kind of buy that he
1: let this door open. I feel like that was something people did at college. Like it's kind of like I'm gonna I'm gonna play for the hall, but I'm sort of showing off at the same time. Like maybe, maybe maybe you could see him doing that.
2: But then my argument is you're obviously not serious about composing this piece because you're saying, come in and bother me. Don't just adore me. Like, come in. Come well, like, I mean, attention is
1: the currency of college. So, yeah.
2: True. But, like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs>
1: uh, so he spins around. He stands up quickly. He kind of puts himself between the iPad on the stand and Booker there. He, he just looks incredibly nervous, guilty as fuck. And then we cut yeah. to commercial. This guy does not have a poker face.
2: I love that everyone's just like, "Oh, I love her. She's the new Tanner." It's like, mm. yeah, Tanner had style. She had panache. I was rooting for Tanner.
1: Yeah, Booker's just kind of a annoying.
2: I like Clea Scott. Like, I, I, she's had a very weird career, and, and part of that weirdness is her time in the PLL universe. But like, she was in Millennium of all shows. Like, she was partnered with Lance Henriksen. Nice. So it's weird to me to see her like busting college kids for like being horny
1: <laughs> well it just seems weird that they decided to go with like seemingly ava is correct and that booker is just kind of an asshole who like wants mm. to stick it to you and like abuse her power yeah like that seems to be bearing out so far we're not
2: seeing any yeah we're not seeing anything contrary to that yeah i just i want that scene where she's like mrs Hotchkiss. it turns out these kids are horny on maine
1: we need to bust their asses for that. and claire's just like booker they're college kids what the fuck do you think goes on in college? Yes.
2: <laughs> as long as they're perfect at being horny and what, what that entails, I'm fine with it.
1: Yeah. So uh, after commercial, we come back to these two staring each other down. Dylan has the worst Booker face ever. Booker is like trying to be hard boiled here. She's like, how bad a secret was it? And Dylan just kind of shrugs. He's like, I, I don't. And Booker says bad enough to want to kill Nolan to keep it hidden. And Dylan Mm. takes a big breath and sighs, trying to relax. Uh, When he speaks, he can't really make eye contact. That's a sign of your line. Dylan says, I I don't know what you're talking about. Booker says, I read your over your BHU application. You and I have some things in common. That's like almost like a classic, like villain trailer line there. Mm -hmm. You and I, we're not so different.
2: Yeah. It was me, Dylan, the author of all your pain. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And Dylan kind of laughs. He's just like, bitch, unlikely. He says, I'm guessing not as much as we don't have in common. And she's kind of like slowly inching further into the room. She says, you'd be surprised. We both come from small towns living in lonely lonely uh, where we didn't conform to approved norms. We didn't come from money. but We achieved our goals through hard work and determination. And Dylan's like, didn't you get fired from the FBI? And now you're
2: a mall cop. Dylan's like, I don't know about you, but I killed my parents. Yeah. So that's my secret backstory.
1: <laughs> oh, spoiler. Never mind. Uh, Dylan says, You know, it sounds like a great essay, but which I like that line. <laughs> it's just like Godre Cliche. Uh, he gives <laughs> her, like, the basically says scram. And Booker's like, My point is, you're not like Caitlin and Ava. That should worry you.
0: Fuck you.
1: Yeah, really. Dylan says, And why is that? And Booker says, You all have secrets. That's clear. You need to ask yourself if your secret is safe with the others. And he, like, very visibly swallows and looks more nervous. And he says, uh, You know, I just remembered that. um.'" And he kind of reaches behind him and turns that iPad stand around so the screen won't be facing her anymore. Like swivels. Yeah, like swivels. And he says, I've uh, got to be somewhere. Booker makes no sign of leaving. Uh, he slowly walks her uh, until she eventually, he like just walks at her until she eventually, is, like eventually she's like, fine, like I'll go, you know. Uh, once she's gone, he closes the door and leans against it. He's relieved, like close one. Um, they're really bad at just not telling her like, hey, get out of my room.
2: Get the fuck out of my room. Unless you think I've got like pot in my couch cushions. I'm pretty sure that handbook says you can't be in here. Yeah. Um, Also, we know the one neighbor across the hall has the uh, like the Nerf hoop on the door outside. Dylan's also across the hall from the bicycle storage.
1: Uh, It's because it's all closets on the other side. Remember, they have to sleep standing up. Yeah, (laughs) That's why they play basketball in the hall.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, uh,
1: (laughs) Dylan's got a, he's got a a little LP record player there. I just noticed.
2: Oh, good for him. Just Listen to some, some Beethoven, some Bach Uh on vinyl. Uh, I wrote down like a spinal tap joke later in this thing that I don't think anyone will get. Um, Cut to Cochrane Student Union. A bunch of students are helping, like, fill up like like paper shopping bags for care packages for the troops or whatever. Um, Dylan drifts in. He's got this like cool guy leather jacket on. He like saunters over to Caitlin and Ava, who are enjoying themselves while packing bags, and he mock salutes Caitlin. Caitlin's like, "Hey, uh, I thought you were too busy to help." Dylan's like, "Well, I am, but you know, felt bad about ditching you." Hey, man, he mumbles. Um, Ava's like, "Yeah, I had the guilt too." That's not so a Dylan's science. like huh nobody says i had the guilts oh yeah maybe she's gonna start well hey paint her dark all right but
1: paint me dark dylan (laughs) i had the guilts too
2: see she's just like waiting to be like a soap opera matriarch she's got it fucking made she's half veronica lodge as it is um see that
1: just that also is not a compliment i feel like
0: yeah
2: well i mean i talk about riverdale i like veronica she just doesn't make any sense in the world that she's in none of the characters make sense in the world that they're in because it's like 17 different shows that crash into each other stupidly um dylan's like well like allison said we got to be business as usual if no one were alive this is where he'd be i don't think so Dylan was cool um, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> no one like appears as a force ghost to dispute that fact yeah no one would send a proxy <laughs> he'd send mason to go do this for him um but for some reason, he's, like, leaning, like, super close to Caitlyn here, like, too close. Is, am not. I wrong about that? He's, no, like, really close to Caitlyn and Ava in this scene. It's bizarre. I like Dylan's affect because he is, oh, I just fucked up my notes. He's, like, I don't know. Like, you can't really get a sense. He doesn't play to any, like, stereotypes of any kind. Like, he's just a dude who's a dude who's, who's doing what he does. You know, like, you can't tell. Like he just, I don't know. There's points where, like, when he, when he interacts with these two, and they have chemistry, and I'm like, oh, like I, I could ship these guys together, and I'm like, oh wait, no, I can't. Well, I think what what happened, which
1: is weird in this scene, is that I, I kind of look up and I, you know, as I'm doing my notes, and he's like, like his nose is like three inches from her face, and I'm like, mm-hmm. whoa, that's kind of weird how close he is. Like it, it seems like this is like a like a romantic thing or something suddenly, and he does the same thing with Ava later. I don't know, it's just mm-hmm. like weird blocking or something.
2: Well, yeah, like the the last two episodes, I definitely got the feel that he has more. Uh, more rapport. He's more simpatico with uh, Caitlin. They've had more scenes together, but like it'll kind of shift. Like Ava gets into the fold in this episode. Uh-huh. It's like I don't know. Like they they realize like Ava's not not nailing it. Like she's not sticking like she, like she should. And like they course corrected her. I like it better. Um, so Ken's like yeah, and he's like tell me what to do, and Ava like catch, and she like throws him like a like a little shower poofy he smiles when he catches it so, so
1: where are these troops deployed that they've got the kind of facilities or they can use a shower poof
0: i don't know
2: someplace probably called like camp freedom
1: i mean like do they need a care package if they're just like i don't know uh like an air force base in the united states somewhere you know like see so this would be like if they're actually deployed right
2: Yeah, I'm all for or whatever their ship is. I'm all for supporting the troops and like like doing a little extra and like acknowledging that sacrifice. My bigger concern is why isn't the Navy giving them toothpaste? Do you do you get like a lot of water in your shower in the Navy? I
1: don't know because they're on a boat. Is there? I learned from
2: from West Wing you have like $200 ashtrays because they have to break a certain way, but like. You're getting you're getting like special poofs from civilians. I mean, I know like like combat troops in Afghanistan apparently aren't getting battle armor from their superiors. Oh, they're
1: definitely not. No, order that from <laughs> them. But,
2: but for God's sakes, give them their poofies. They got to stay clean. <laughs> um, i just saying you need like
1: you need a real shower to use that poof. You know, you got to lather up.
2: Have, maybe you just have some bros like lower you into the ocean for a little while. Yeah, not that how you poop on the ocean? Oh, you can. Just goes over the sign. Nature's uh, recycling. Um, eat it's that, Sharks. <laughs> um, back at Mona's, she's, like, doing some pasture cracking on her computer. Starts, like, cracking process. She groans. She's rubbing her eyes. This is, like, a less sexy version of all the times I wanted to see Mona doing A shit.
1: Yeah, I just I don't know. believe
2: it would be this monotonous for her. I I just don't believe it.
1: I just want somebody to say, Mona, you were fucking A.
2: Seriously. Seriously. Like this is like not the same Mona who was just like casually blue snarfing from a car with of Hannah um after Mona, she like leans over like looking bummed out, she focuses on that chessboard on the table over there, the kind of camera rack focuses to it, and Mona allows us like this like devious guilty smile. she stands up some some synth dance music starts playing on the soundtrack, um uh, some woman hums an auto tune, and like you pointed out, the way it's edited, it really looks like Mona's going to go rub one out like.
1: like- the way like it's cut, sex. where she suddenly smiles, as like this kind of bumpy music starts playing, it looks like she's gonna go like rub one out here,
2: like which. I, I've uh, I've come out hard against fanfiction before. Send me your Mona masturbation fanfics. I bet here's my theory. It takes three hours. Okay. Right, she has to really seduce herself. Not only is there candles and harp, like she hires a harpist. Like there's a whole narrative. You know what I mean? Like she, she, she can.
1: Sounds like you've lot. already written it's, your own.
2: It's like erotic Game of Thrones, like more erotic Game of Thrones, more dragons, more beheadings, lots of like volcanic kind of like eruptions. Uh, but but if she's gonna go play sexy chess with her sexy chess partner online, doesn't she need the computer? Yeah, it's weird because really she
1: gets it? up from the computer. I mean, maybe she's meeting this this uh, chess player in person, perhaps. Maybe she's been. Lying about uh, that to Allie.
2: Well, like, all the dumb questions that people ask I'm Marlene King on online and she responds to them and somebody's like, oh, have we met Mona's love interest already? And she's like, perhaps. And it's like, God, don't let it be Mason. And
1: it's going to be Taylor. Yes, please. Uh, then we are back at the Student Union. Caitlin's checking her list as the other uh, perfectionists are packing boxes. And Dylan says, who ate all the cotton candy? And he holds up like an empty wrapper and Caitlin points at Ava, who snatches the empty bag away and Ava's like, I'm sorry, I need the energy. So I guess it's like a a little character quirk that Ava likes candy.
2: She's eating jelly beans earlier, which, uh,
1: hey. I mean, we'll see if that continues or that's just like we'll in this episode. My own thing. Heart. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, there's, I always think of uh, Buffy and her yo-yos as like. The way to do it really subtle, you know? I should buy a yo-yo. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, uh, Caitlin says, yeah, and you also ate most of the licorice. And don't deny it because for about a half hour, your lips were black.
2: Black licorice, too.
1: Yeah, gross. And Ava's like, whatever, fuck the troops. Uh, Ava's like kind of mock offended by this. She turns to Dylan and says, and you didn't tell me? And Dylan says, well, I wanted to tell you, but you're too busy stuffing your face with my candy corn. And she kind of tosses some packing peanuts at him, and he retaliates by throwing some back. And Zoe's watching this nearby. She's got this concerned, maybe resentful look on her face. And Caitlin's like, uh, Hey, 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 guys, focus. We're almost done. No, you're not, Caitlin. Because now Dylan is standing super close to Ava, like right in her space, and they kind of smile conspiratorially at each other. Mm-hmm. And then they nod, and Ava very softly says, On three. Dylan says, One. Eva says, Two. And Dylan picks up a box of packing peanuts and dumps them all over Caitlin. And they was like three. And Caitlin's like, that is so not, so not funny. And she like kind of whacks Dylan with a clipboard. But she's laughing about all this and enjoying herself. Here's why this is stupid.
2: Like that shit's supposed to stick to you.
1: It all the just falls right off of her, yeah.
2: A single one falls like in between the open buttons of her polo or whatever. And is gone in the next like time we cut back to her. So it's like, this was pointless. This is all on the ground. No one's picking this shit up.
1: Oh, oh! I think we know who's picking it up. Her name is Zoe, because uh, she's very displeased right now. She's glaring at them. Yeah. Uh, and Dylan, uh, Caitlin's just said, that's so not funny. And Dylan says, I think it's pretty funny. And Ava says, all right, I think it's pretty funny, too. And they're cracking up laughing. And Ava even snorts. Zoe is displeased. She's glaring at them. And she says, glad to see the kids are having fun while the adults are doing all the work. Kind of gives them all a look of disgust and walks off. Hello, Ava. She's kind of like hiding behind Dylan and like doing this thing where she makes fun of Zoe Zoe, by like talking with her hands. Um, Caitlin giggles some more, but you know, feels guilty about it. She's like, oh uh, yeah, she's actually kind of right. Dylan says, okay, let's get back to work. Let's finish up. And Caitlin's right
2: always planning to throw these three off a roof.
1: Oh yeah. It's always just like, I guess I'm going to need another roof. Caitlin says, no, I meant about the fun part. Ava kind of bounces a packing peanut off Dylan's forehead, and she says, I know, I kind of like hanging out with you guys, even though maybe I did all last year. Uh, <laughs> and she kind of tries to throw another peanut at Caitlin, but Dylan kind of slapbox it away, and they chuckle. And it quite sound like dylan dylan has got to drop some real shit here. He says, I need to tell you guys something, all right? I, I didn't come here tonight because I felt guilty, all right? I came because I let Dana Booker get in my head, and I didn't know if you guys were going to turn on me kind of gives a guilty shrug and ava and caitlin understand caitlin says dana corner me too she's got nolan's phone and dylan's like oh great so we have to worry about nolan's phone and his stash of secrets uh caitlin says she's just trying to divide and conquer us and ava says well now that you two started it there's actually something i need to tell you oh really is there caitlin
2: mm. yeah so then all of a sudden we're uh we're behind a white Mini Cooper as it, like, drives down a wet road at night. Uh, license plate 001 CPF. We hear Ava's voice over, which is like, so I wasn't completely honest with you guys about what happened the night that Nolan died. So we're in the car. Ava's driving. Cadence in shotgun. Dylan's, like, in the tiny little back seat, like, in the middle. Uh, so this was Mini Cooper. Was Ava's all along, which is, yeah, kind of anticlimactic. Um, it's just like, and, oh, okay. Yeah, and it's like, well, at least we didn't have to wait like seven episodes to get this. So A was like, I followed him out here to his cat to this cabin. Caden's like, what was he doing? And <laughs> it was like, some blonde dropping loads. Um, Caden says nothing, feeling awkward. Which again, like, let's get some Dylan face. <laughs> yeah, really? Like Dylan's like, I like blondes too. Uh A was like, I know. I was so humiliated, especially after I saw him fucking another girl <laughs> three hours earlier. It's like that's where I
1: walked into my uh, uh dorm room and he was inside someone else,
2: yeah, in my in my bed, yeah, I, I don't know, man, like yeah, like again, dude, it's got way too much jam,
1: Do you think I, gave a wash those sheets,
2: Because she was I'm, like like smelling his shirt
1: later, I, you know,
2: you asked a question, and now I'm fearful that she that there's a possibility she wouldn't,
1: I don't think she did. she had his shirt and like wanted like the scent of Nolan, you know?
2: So like during that three days where she didn't shower and she's like drinking and she's making that pyramid stack. She like lays down on the bed. She stares up at the ceiling and then she's that thing where she like gets up to go pour more whiskey and like the sheets like stuck to her back. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's the grossest thing ever. Um, Yeah. So it was like, I know I was so humiliated, but now, I'm thinking that maybe it wasn't what I thought it was. It was the gift. And Dylan's like, what gift? And it was like, um, Claire Hodgkins found a present that was meant for me, from Nolan. It was a broken camera lens. Cain's okay, like, hmm, yeah, that's right. I gave that to you. I know what that means. Um, Dylan's like, does this mean something to you? And was like, do you guys remember um, last year, but also kind of in the books when that jerk found out about my dad and outed me to the whole school? And they're both nodding. And Dylan's like, mm-hmm. Cain's like, yep. And it was like, it was the worst day of my life. And, and on top of the feelings of so shame, so shamed, the paparazzi found out where I was with my friend, Olivia Jade. And they started taking photos and Nolan tried to stop him. But this one guy, he was just getting aggressive and Nolan ended up like smashing his camera. Suck at TMZ. So Caitlin, like very, very deadpans. Like, yeah, that sounds like Nolan. She doesn't seem like so impressed by this story, but Ava smiles. She's like, of course. He 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 bought him a new one, you know, court ordered, but no one kept the broken lens. Um again like looks vaguely put out by this whole story, and Ava's like, he was worried about me. And he said that that it was a symbol of how much he wanted to protect me and how much he loved me. So like which, when the fuck was this happening? Well, yeah, but also. He has the camera lens. She's aware of that. He shows her the camera lens. He says, this is a symbol of how much I care about you. I want to protect you. I'm going to keep this.
1: No, I, I don't. Maybe he didn't say that then. I okay. think. I think. Um, he
2: said that it was a symbol of how oh, much he okay. wanted to protect me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> That's just a note in that box that we didn't see.
1: Yeah, maybe. maybe who this knows?
2: This is a symbol of how much I want to protect you. Like, How also, long
1: ago was Nolan dating Caitlin? Like a year Good question. How long were How he long... and Ava dating if they were like in love?
2: How long? How long can you secretly be dating someone that you're also fucking in your your giant rich person pool while your mom is home?
1: And meanwhile, Caitlin's pretending for seemingly months and months to still be dating him while dating someone else? Yeah. It just it's confusing. Uh, and and like this whole time, like maybe like as long as a year, Ava was totally cool, like sneaking around and being the side piece.
2: Oh, something's gotta change, Ava. Also, like, is there something gonna come of the money?
1: <laughs> Which money?
2: The the big oh, yeah. of money she has. I
1: don't know, that's how she funds her YouTube channel or something.
2: Or maybe, yeah. but well, she's breaking the code of YouTube to allow pop ups.
1: Bought herself some new uh, mics
2: yeah um or what are the like the little fucking like ring lights um so he says a symbol how much he wanted to protect me how much he loved me it was like i know it's a reach but is it possible that maybe he was trying to protect me even the night he was killed by fucking that other woman well i was like what if he got you the present and wrapped it like six months ago meaning to give it to you for your birthday or whatever completely unrelated to the woman he wanted to be inside of What's
1: weird is that, like, in your bedroom. from the pilot, you just didn't get the impression that him and Ava were, like, a long-term thing. It seemed like a thing that was just starting.
2: Well, there was no, even in the pilot, there was no, like, wrestling with, I can't just break up with her to protect her. I have to do something terrible. To protect her, to make her not want to be near me, because uh, otherwise she'll be in danger. Yeah, I know what I need to do. I need to seriously put my penis in a vagina that's not hers. Like that'll be the thing that shows her. And Taylor's like, that's "What? That's how I, I solve
1: all my problems."
2: <laughs> Taylor, listen to me. I have to drop some loads. And she's like, "Go with what works with you for you." Yeah. So, you know, is this is this a reach? Is he trying to protect me? Is is it possible? And Caitlin's like maybe more yeah. likely no not yeah. at all but it's a theory you know it gives us something it's better than nothing i'm really trying to placate you you psychopath caitlin's like or like scoffing she's like that dana woman dylan's like she isn't going to stop coming after us until one of us breaks and he was like look i know allison told us to do nothing but we have to find out who killed Noam before dana finds a way to destroy us all very serious, and she like looks at them and they each non-agreements they drive on. Again, I'd be interrogating Allison too. She's should, just as suspicious. You should be reporting
1: all this to Allison, your personal headmaster. She'll Seriously. know what to do.
2: Well, at this point, Kaylin's out. I would think her secret has been found out by two people. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing keeping her in. Yeah. I, I'd be like, go ahead and arrest me. Prove that I murdered somebody in 12 minutes. Good luck. Good fucking luck. Yeah. Prove um, that I
1: like pushed this guy like 20 feet off of a Yeah. Building.
2: yeah yeah but somehow me like getting up at three in the morning to work on my fucking mile time is how i did that yeah um after he's been crewing for a while uh so they're pumped this mystery cabin in the woods it does look like a very different location It is. i, than- I checked yeah.
0: yeah
1: in the pilot there's like big redwoods and this there's like christmas trees
2: so the Mini Cooper parks, uh, cut to inside, semi-POV shot of the camera moving behind the wooden slats, looking toward the front door. Lights are flickering outside, and the door creaks open. Typical, like, haunted PLL location to go to.
1: Yeah, some cool, like, kind of silhouette shots of the light playing behind the actors.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This place is dark, seemingly abandoned. The others are, like, Dylan's first, the others follow him in. Uh, Ava's like, hello? There's no response. Hello? Dylan says, when has a cabin ever not been spooky? Uh, it's very dark. We can only see the place in like these shades of silver from their flashlights there. And it was, we, uh,
2: we see like the sheet covering a chair, but it's actually like no con.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: uh, that remind me of uh, just better times. Ava yeah. and says, uh, when the person that was last in them wasn't murdered and Dylan's like, fair point. Caitlin's like, yeah. So they gather in center of the r- center of the room. They're looking around and Dylan says, all right, so what do we want to do? Uh, how do we want to do this? And Avis says, quickly, because she's looking through the drapes at the window, there's another light moving around outside. And Caitlin's like, why? And Avis says, because someone's coming. Caitlin's like, what? And Ava's like, someone must have followed us. And Dylan's like, shit. What do we do? What do we do? Uh, Avis says, hide. And Caitlin's like, where? What? Where? And so they're just like scrambling around to find a place to hide. They're doing horribly at it. Front door opens. A light shines on their faces where they can even get to cover. They're kind of shielding their faces from the light. We can't see who it is. And Caitlin goes, oh, my God and then we cut to commercial. Mm. After break, the mysterious figure switches on the lights and of course it's Allison DuLerrantis.
2: There's a half second there. I really like It was in the it was in the trailer. I really like that shot of Allison as she starts to lower the flashlight. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like um how was I describing it in conversation? Like Botticelli film noir figure. Like she's got this gray the camera loves Ali
1: in this whole episode. It does. Yeah.
2: It does. Like, like, but it's great. Great. Like, terrorize. What am I looking at? Like, beyond this camera's lens or whatever. So good. I'm sorry. Continue. I mean, it's it's almost
1: weird in a way how much the camera and the scripts are just like adoring to the Alley character, and mm. these three are just like an afterthought, kind of. You know. Yeah. They're just like, well, there is window dressing?
2: It reminds me of like those shows where it's like, it's like season eight and half the cast is left. And like, we've only got the star for like five episodes and they're going to now be like a teacher figure who disappears periodically. But (laughs) at the same time, you're like, no, let's actually make them still the main character.
1: Like we're just, we're just not getting a shot at say like Ava or Kalen in this fashion, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, they're not, I mean, like, they're they're having to, like, prove them and build them in just, like, incremental, minute ways. Yeah, so anyway,
1: it's Allie. Dylan sighs in relief. He was, like, halfway under the kitchen table. (laughs) Good job, Dylan. Uh, Allie kind of, she kind of swaggers in now. The others are very chagrined. Oh, well, well. Yeah, they realize Allie's busted them. Uh, There's no sign of those computers that Taylor had in the pilot, by the way. Maybe she uh, switched up locations after uh, Nolan died. Took her groceries, too. Yeah. Uh, is no one
2: bringing her groceries now?
1: Yeah, I guess she's just got a, you know, Amazon Prime it or something. Uh, Allie says, what part of our Amazon Fresh? What part of don't do anything out of the ordinary did you miss? What did I say? I said, you sit over there in a corner and you chill. This is my show. Uh, Caitlin mm-hmm. says, hey, we're in this just as much as you. Even more so if you think about it. We're on the poster, too. And he's like, Bitch, "Masks? I'm, I'm the shusher on that poster. Why are you here? By the way, what's with the
2: mirror stuff? Is that it coming back? That's a good question. We'll see. That's a really good question. I mean, I, I have to know, are there choices made in this marketing material that matter? I mean, again, the one that's most suspect. I get like, ooh, Ava is inspecting the red coat like mannequin. You know, I I get that. Okay, there's she's she's doing fashion stuff. There's a mannequin, whatever. Like I get that kind of call. Like, I don't need to see Ava in a red coat. But the ostinato is so out of fucking nowhere. (laughs) So bizarre.
1: Yeah. Anyways, Dylan's hesitating, but Ava's willing to talk and says, Nolan came here the night he died, and I followed him. And Allie says, did he meet anyone? And Ava says, yeah, some blonde woman. And Allie kind of purses her lips, like, thinking that that's suspicious. And Ava says, who kind of looks like you. And Allie kind of looks very troubled. now. She says, well, it, it wasn't me. Hey, did Mason ever say anything about coming out here? And Dylan says, Mason? No, not to me. Like, has he ever he? Said anything? Are he, you, he are are said you anything friends? Dealing? Yeah. <laughs> do you guys know
2: each other? Well, it was like, it was like Mason, like the fourth, you know, and like they're like perfect posse. Yeah. Hashtag perfect posse. It's just
1: so weird, the, like the the connections he, between these people.
2: <laughs> You'll get this reference. Was he the Lucas Haas?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. No, not me. It says, why did he do that that thing earlier in class? And he says, "I think he's got a pretty big chip on his shoulder." So, if Mason is a Lucas Haas, who's the uh,
2: the David Blaine? Who's the David Blaine? Who's the Toby Maguire? Who's uh shit? Um, wasn't some fucker like Entourage in the the Pussy Posse too? Oh, I can't remember. You you talk. I'm just gonna okay. Google Pussy Posse members. Yeah. So. Uh, Yeah,
1: why'd he do that? The thing in class. And Allie says he's got a pretty big chip on his shoulder. And Caitlin finds this response suspicious. She kind of smells a fart there and says, uh, did he mention this place to you? Is that why you're here? And Allie says, he said a lot. And so did last year's yearbook, which my tulpa Mona told me to look at. Uh, I just had to connect the dots to find this place. Ava says, so what are you looking for? And Allie kind of smiles and she goes, secrets. I mean, they're just giving her all the good lines here. She's like prime suspect in a trench coat. Like just a hard-boiled detective now.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and caitlin says okay well let's i'll take a look around and see if we find something And he goes worth a shot so they all get like, kind of turn to explore a different corner of this cabin here with their flashlights some like not quite pll mystery music's playing uh, for some reason nobody checks the bedroom i guess because not here like there's this mm-hmm. big door on the other side of the place that just nobody bothers to like see if it opens
2: oh shit what I well so uh- most of the post members, it's like an ocean's eleven of like just fucking mediocre, you know, uh friends of Ben types. But so let me just give you the whole list here. DiCaprio, Toby Maguire, Harmony Corinne. That sounds about right, yeah. Kevin Connolly. Here's a shocker one. You're not gonna know this guy's name, but J.R. Ferguson, do you know who that is? Mm, it's that's not the guy from Mad Men, is it? It is the guy from yeah. Mad Men. The guy who ends up with uh, what's her name?
1: Yeah, to- yeah, yeah. Uh, Peggy.
2: Yeah, I remember his name dude. at all. Yeah. yeah. Stan. Maybe sure. Maybe Stan. Q Tip. David Blaine. Sarah Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> <She's> okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the token lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, what? Am I giving you some kind of cred? Uh Lucas Haas. Ethan Suppley. Oh, I love this article. Devoted Scientologist Ethan Suppley, uh, Joshua John Miller, who apparently is the little brother in teen witch, R.D. Rob, who's the guy who directed. the a massive uh, Posse. Plum. Yeah, this is a this is like a. I feel
1: like half these guys just like edited the Wikipedia page, put that on there.
2: This is a straight up uh, Stan Rizzo's name. This is a straight up Ocean's Twelve of just like shitty white privilege in Hollywood. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Sorry to direct you. <laughs>
1: All right, anyways, uh, so they're they're turning around to search. Caitlin shines a line in a corner. It seems like there's like a fire poker there. I don't know if that's supposed to be important or not. Uh, Ava's checking some drawers. Allie spots like a green flower stem on a shelf and kind of pauses at it. Dylan finds another one of those gum wrappers under a table and he pockets it. Ava seems like she sees him do this and they lock eyes, but like don't say anything. Allie maybe noticed too. She's silent. She leaves the flower stem behind. Uh, they kind of rejoin the center of the room, and Allie's like, Find something? And Dylan's like, Nope, I thought so, but no. And she kind of looks between them like she knows more than she's letting on here. And then we cut to outside the cabin, the light switches off, and Allie and the perfectionist file out. And Dylan says, So, did you find anything? And Allie says, It's hard to tell when you don't know what you're looking for. Uh, insert like classic Daryl Zero, you know, go looking for something particular, it's very hard to find it. But if you go looking for anything, the odds are very high in your favor. Uh, they walk back to the car dylan's kind of making these awkward noises like not sure what to do with the sudden addition to the group like uh so you need a ride (laughs) you want to buy us alcohol yeah (laughs) now he says no thanks i parked down the road when you don't know what you're gonna run into it's best not to announce your presence amateurs Uh, she's just like spooling out these worlds pearls of us sneaky wisdom here
2: also, I, she has a car now in Oregon.
1: I really just want Caitlin to say, Jesus, Mrs. D, what was your degree in? Criminology? And Allie's like, no, crime. And then Allie uh, gives him some saucy eyebrow wags and uh, just walks off into the forest like a psychopath.
2: I uh, Well, 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 Forrest. Um, I have two issues with the scene that we just saw. Um, Obviously, it's not quite done yet. But like the one I can drop now is, man, maybe Ari was on to something. Check the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Just cross it off your list. The other is, Allison picks up on a clue that she's not present for the setup of last week.
1: Which clue? Oh, the gum? The
2: flower. The flower.
1: Was the flower last week?
2: Yeah. They went to the rose, the the greenhouse, and Taylor liked to plant roses for mom. Oh, you know, I didn't even make
1: that connection, I guess.
2: Yeah, the gum, she doesn't see, I don't think. I I wasn't even thinking that
1: the flower, I was just thinking the flower was fresh. Was I guess the my only thought about why she well, would she, find it interesting? She,
2: she goes and directly ties it to Taylor, though. Yeah, yeah, but she doesn't know that Taylor, you know, and Rosa. But what's she her ties name?
1: it because she finds the Instagram post. I don't know. Yeah, it's a little mm-hmm. tenuous. Instagram's a funeral. Is that tacky? I don't know social norms. <laughs> hashtag Nolan Hotchkiss funeral. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like, is there a thing? Is that what Claire's doing? at the thing? Welcome, please. The uh, uh, approved hashtag is Nolan Hotchkiss funeral. Please use that. Hashtag dirt nap. It's PLO perfectionist with like five L's. <laughs>
1: uh, so later, the uh, perfectionists are driving down a one lane road in the dark. Dylan's still in the back seat. He's sniffing. And he kind of smells a funk, and he's like, "What's that smell?" And he's sniffing some more. Uh, they're not smelling anything. Uh, Ava says, "I don't smell anything." Caitlin goes, mm, "Me neither." I guess it's confined to the back seat, like in your fucking face, Dylan. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "All right, moving on." And he holds up the gum wrapper he found. And he says. This rapper is the same one we saw in the woods. So whoever heard us that night was also in the cabin. And Caitlin says, or two different people like the same kind of gum. I mean, three is a pattern. Two is just a coincidence.
2: Uh, three is enemy action. According. Yeah. To Fleming.
1: I mean, I uh, mean, Caitlin, if your mom's in the military, you should know that, you know, once this happens, it's twice is coincidence. Third time's enemy action.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Ava says, and why didn't you show that to Allison? I mean, you're the one who said we could trust her. And Dylan says, "Uh, I don't know. I guess I should (laughs) have. She's like, okay. Uh, Caitlin says, best way to find out if you can trust someone is to trust them. Mm. Sure. Uh, Dylan says, yeah, I guess I just thought that maybe she was the same blonde that you saw that night in the cabin with Nolan. So Dylan's just like, oh, maybe Allie was fucking Nolan.
2: (laughs) I mean, that would kind of make
1: sense why Allie's so curious. you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd be like, Wow, you guys like like connected, yeah, very quickly. <laughs> like, he mouths off in class, and you're like, Stay after class, mister. I like the cut of your jib.
1: <laughs> Ava says, No, I don't think so. It seemed like this was the first time in that cabin. Dylan's like, Yeah, you're probably right. He's, I don't know, like, he's so passive in some ways, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: he grimaces, and Caitlin's like, What? He's like, Are you sure that you don't smell that? And Caitlin says, Yes. But he's reaching for the door like he's got to be sick. He's like, stop the car, please. So they pull over on the grass. Like, what is this location? It looks like a golf cart path. Yeah. Uh, Dylan's just like, "Uh, it's got to be coming from the trunk. So they get a shot of the trunk as they're opening it up. This is the one for the credits.
2: Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like the one episode I like in season seven of Gilmore Girls, which is the one like there's like a pickle truck or something is crashed outside of town. It's like there's like this disgusting stench. That's like wafting in and out. Um, yeah. So we cut into the shot of the, inside the trunk, you know, classic PLL, like, you know, like we're going to find a pig in the cop's car or whatever. I mean, you might
1: find it might say more. It's like classic Tarantino shot, I guess.
2: Yeah, a little bit. But PLL has done this before. Yeah. 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 I
1: know. It's not like they yeah, invented yeah. it. Yeah.
2: Right. Right. Um, and it was like, I think I would know if there was something in my and they all kind of go quiet at the sight of something as they're retching from the sudden smell. And Caitlin covering her nose is like, guys, guys, what is that? Do they have colds like, or
1: something? Like, how did they not smell this before?
2: Seriously. Seriously, because it's a hatchback. So it's not like there's a wall between yeah. that and the back seat. I mean, if you're smelling it that severely now. Anyway, Ava's like, that's Nolan's stash, murder <laughs> He's got some um, extremely dank, stinky weed in there. Yeah. It's like sticky, super icky. And I'm not just being cool when I say that. So it no, out it's out straight about- up
1: gross. It smells like shit. <laughs>
2: I mean, literally, he's he's smoking shit and we're getting high off of it. Um, It turns out it's like a little wooden cigar box in the trunk and like Dylan covers his nose, like leans forward to open it Kane stops him. And she's like, hey, don't wait. Are you sure you want to open it? And he's like, none of our secrets smell that bad. Dude, you're whistling past a graveyard when you say that. True, but that's fair. Um, He's like, I don't know about you, but it's not like I cheated with Nolan, then pooped on his chest and someone saved that um it's a different kind of load to drop so he opens the box and there's like a dead rat inside of a paper rolled up in his mouth they like recoil and grimace and dylan like coughs and they was like mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she points and like dylan's like there's there's a note and ken's like of course there is so like dylan reaches to get it and he's like this is gonna be fun so he like wiggles the notes free the note free of like the uh like rat's jaw and unrolls it doesn't
1: it seem like this is maybe like a missed opportunity for some comedy here Oh, sure. Like arguing over who's got to get the note. Like, I don't know. It's yeah. Just, they just kind of do it.
2: And the show needs those moments. Like it really, especially like the the group interaction. Yeah. I think you need Ava's Vogue video as much as you need the group goofy moments. You can't just like pour packing peanuts on on each other and like have them not stick at all. And now we're all friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So the crowd, they crowd around and read the note. And Dylan reads it and he's just like, one of you is a rat. You tell or I will. And he's like, oh, awesome. So he hands it to Ava and she's like so what one of us is a snitch and Kane's like, yeah, if our scene st- secret secret is that literal. And Dylan's hey, what like, what do you think
1: he meant? Caitlin? It's not exactly subtle.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's on the nose. It's not like it's pied pipering you. Um, and Dylan's like, and they're trying to turn us against each other. So Ava's had enough. She just grabs that dead rat carcass for bare goddamn hand and chucks that motherfucker into the woods. The other two are like stunned. They're grossed out. They're a little bit impressed. And Ava's like, I got no rats riding in my car. Dylan's like, bold move, respect. Caitlin's like, yeah, totally impressed me with that one. Uh, Yeah, I just said that, Caitlin. Um, Ava looks down at the note again and crinkles her nose. And she's like, does anybody have some Purell? Because I was like, seriously, Ava, wash the
1: fuck out of your hands. I mean, I, I like this moment, but it seems like shouldn't this have been more kind of embedded in Ava's character this whole time? Yeah. Like, this should be kind of like a core part of her personality is that like, she gives no fucks, you know?
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Uh, So we're back at the cabin the front door closes and a flashlight plays around inside. Allie has gone back in. Uh, We come inside with her. We see she must've doubled back uh, after the perfectionist left. Her trade craft just seems way more advanced than these amateurs. Mm -hmm. Uh, So inside she's walking over to that flower stem again, picks it up. It's a yellow rose with some kind of red highlight petals. There's a really nice shot of Allie in a jagged, like, broken piece of mirror as she holds up the rose to look at it. Uh, mm-hmm. The yellow feels like a symbolic call, uh, callback to the infamous yellow top.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, even the yellow top itself, like, the way it was cut, kind of, like, was maybe a little bit flower petalish, you know? Just, like, it's like...
2: Well, in, in general, we just don't see a lot of the use of the color yellow
0: yeah.
1: elsewhere. Uh, so... Maybe this is a sign that uh, Taylor Hotchkiss possesses some of the same ennui that Allie does. Uh, Mm -hmm. Allie does kind of like this weird spin around in the mirror as she walks away. Like, it's just like they're putting so much care and attention into how they shoot Allie here. Like, it's a really neat shot in that mirror as she turns around and walks away into the dark. And then it cuts to black. Yeah.
2: Yeah uh so it's later ali's at her desk there's a glass of red wine in front of her she's like swiping on her phone she's looking at you know website gram or whatever um checking out the hashtag photos for again nolan Hotchkiss funeral hashtag nolan hotchka's funeral i, I ask you tired or wired, wired. <laughs> photographing a funeral <laughs> hey nothing's more wired than capturing photos of the expired <laughs> Um, so she keeps like swiping down and eventually gets a photo of Taylor Hotchkiss's plaque in the mausoleum there. Her epitaph reads beloved daughter, sister, friend, always in our hearts. This is interesting because you have like the one dead girl is now investigating the other dead girl who looks just like her. Like you said, possesses the same ennui. I just love that someone was at this funeral and they were like, Oh look, it's Taylor's like thing. I want a photo of that. Yeah. Fuck, yeah, oh, and then somebody carved the name Toby Cavanaugh to the uh, marble. sweet, so we see that yellow rose, a red highlight petals. And Spencer. Next to you gotta stop doing that yeah this is this is Spencer's thing, it's how you know she was there, um, the yellow highlight red like petals of the yellow rose, thanks to the plaque, just like the one Allie found in the cabin, which gets confusing because are the roses a Taylor thing? are they a Nolan thing? Because this is implying that somebody who's visited Taylor
0: has I mean, also they could visited have, the funeral. They could right? have been
1: like her roses that she grew in the greenhouse. And then when she died, like Nolan, I don't know, kept it up and, and left the rose there for her or something. I don't know. You know? Yeah. It's like, I mean, like way, the, I don't, these I don't roses like are associated, rose stay alive. These roses are associated with her, I guess is like what we're supposed to get. Um,
2: yeah, or that's what Allison is zoning in on. Though, again, I don't know if she's been around for the stepping stones to come to this hunch.
1: Yeah, and then but, Allie looks up, and the camera kind of tracks over as Allie looks over because she's got that yellow rose in a vase there, and it kind of rack focuses between her and the rose. Uh, another really good shot of Allie with this yellow rose here. Um, was it just me or is the payoff with the gum and the flower kind of like too quick and easy?
2: Yeah. the The gum payoff... If you can call it that, feels very PLL. I mean, I'll
1: have more of that later, I guess. But like, I don't know. It was like you found a rose, and then the next scene, you're like, "Oh, this is who the rose connects to." Got it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: anyway, yeah. so we're back in the quad. The perfectionists are walking to their dorm halls. Uh, Caitlin says, "Okay, so we're not. We're supposed to be scared, right? Uh, is that why they sent the rat?" And Dylan says, "No, the rat is a cherry on the Sunday. All right." The note is what we're supposed to be paying attention to. And Ava says, and it wasn't a poke. It was a threat. Uh, so they stop at that pathway in the middle of the quad where they all always kind of gather before going their separate ways to maybe murder Nolan. Uh, Ava's coat has this bizarre red back panel to it. Like, to me, this looks like something Excalibur would have worn. Like, it's, like, not quite cool enough to be X-Men.
2: Yeah, it's very strange.
1: Yeah, it's a bizarre coat. I don't know why you want that coat back, personally, Ava. I mean, I guess your dad gave it to you. <laughs> Uh Caitlin says is it,
2: is, oh this is the same coat yeah okay yeah. oh you're taking your coat back you just gave it to me
1: oh geez guess I'm going to have <laughs> to murder you too Caitlin says guys how are we supposed to be business as usual when this is happening to us and Dylan says like Allison just said we don't we don't have a choice and Ava says until we get our secrets back we have to find a way to do it all everybody got that Three episodes <laughs> in, new mission statement. Uh, uh-huh. Caitlin says, no, I, it, it's it's too much to take on. And Ava says, Kate, you of all people can handle this. I know I joke about you being good at everything all the time, but somehow you make it seem effortless. Uh, there's just like a whole lot of like characters telling other characters what their traits are. On yeah, the show, it,
2: But like play it off like I'm I'm building you up. I don't know. Huh.
1: Yeah, Caitlin like kind of gratefully exhales and says, it's not. Caitlin says, I know. It's like they're having a real moment here, even though they're all are all supposed to be perfectionists anyway. So they should all kind of
2: understand this. Well, it's it's weird. It's weird. This moment feels super awkward. Like, though, arguably these two characters should know each other, even though they claim they don't. Yeah, they. I think we kind of sense the rivalry between them already. But like the when Allison makes the comment to Caitlin at the beginning of the episode, it's just like. I believe you could do anything if you put your mind to it. It's like you don't even know this girl. Yeah, really. Uh
1: so anyway, Dylan says, I'm just glad that we're not alone, right? That we're in this together. At least I'm saying that, so you won't screw me over. Uh Mm -hmm. Caitlin says, Yeah, I mean, are we together? And Ava says, We did make a good team out there. I mean, I don't know, Allie showed up and just housed all your amateur asses, but sure. Uh so they all chuckle and smile to themselves. Friendship rainbows. Uh, and mm-hmm. Ava says well I've got my Vogue application video to suck less on so and Gaten says yeah and I've got my congressional interview to prep for I'm sure what? Uh, and moms Which? have been bugging me for days Yeah. D- Dylan goes I've got and he like throws both his hands up everything so night. and Ava says okay uh, another overhead shot of them all going their separate ways and then Dylan spins around and calls back to them he's like guys and Ava's like yeah Dylan says, can I borrow you for like 10 minutes? Caitlin seems curious. Ava's inscrutable. And we cut to Dylan. He's playing his cello composition that he wrote for Andrew. Uh, big time cello face here. His song is called A Song for Andrew, which, come on, Dylan. Clever. Think Clever. That. Uh, Caitlin and Ava are there to listen. Ava's smiling herself. Like, this is maybe helping her reflect on her own project right now.
2: Caitlin has the very start of a tear. Does she? Like, yeah, like just Okay, start, yeah, like, maybe
1: their eyes are a little moist.
2: So once we saw the title on the sheet music, this just reminded me of that scene in This Is Spinal Tap when Nigel's working on his beautiful piano song, and he's like, it's part of a trilogy of songs I'm working on in D minor, which I always found to be the saddest of keys. I don't know why, really, but it just makes you weep instantly to play it. And Rob Runner's what's like, it's, what's it's it called? pretty, what do you call it? And he's like, oh, this piece is called Lick My Love Pump. <laughs> Better name.
1: So we uh, trying to do a little montage here. We cut to a close up of Ava's peach lips there, and she says, "Let's get something straight." And then, like a string version of Clocks by Coldplay starts playing, and we're doing this kind of like jump cut, multi angle, like Ava Vogue video sequence here. Uh-huh. And Ava, this is her video that she's sending to Vogue. Apparently, I'm not a perfect choice for the Vogue internship. Actually, I'm not a perfect choice for anything, really. But that's kind of my point. Spending your whole life chasing perfection. It's surrounded by people with that same impossible goal. It makes it seem as if every setback is a defeat. And every roadblock is a sign that you chose the wrong path, that you're inadequate, a failure. She's got this like weird puffy shoulder, like purple dressing going on. Like, I don't know
2: what it is with her shoulders. Let me tell you this thing. She is dressed like if Prince was ja- Dracula. This is what I imagine the brides of Prince would wear. Sure. I can see yeah. that. She's diamond, and there's a pearl, and there's a somebody else there. The diamond is Jenny Calendar. Oh, that's right. Uh-huh. Uh, so we're gonna get All a kind
1: of in. montage here to some like beefy dudes moving some boxes full of bags for troops into a truck. Caitlin supervising. Ava's talking to voiceover <laughs> now.
2: She's like, "Now that you're doing the the actual physical labor, yeah. I'm gonna bouncy bounce."
1: Uh-huh. Ava says, "But sometimes we overcome, and we realize that we're not alone." that you can rely on others to lift you up, and that's okay to ask for help. Because even in our darkest moments of grief and loss, we persevere and we make connections. Caitlin gets a phone call. We see she checks her phone. It's Claire Hotchkiss. She bites her lip. She's uncertain. She walks off. Maybe she answered. Maybe she didn't. We really don't see one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, and then Ava's saying, look, I'm a work in progress, but I'm realizing that success is about never ma- isn't about never making mistakes it's about learning from your mistakes so no i am not a perfect choice for anything but i am the right choice for this because my mission statement is in line with yours to lead and inspire sure
2: so, i've just defeated the whole idea of being a perfectionist
1: yeah i know it's yeah
2: show over
1: <laughs> uh meanwhile we've kind of cut to uh mona she's like running her password cracker Uh, finally gets to 100% Mona kind of grins gleefully and leans closer to see what she can see and after a beat she frowns her screen shows access granted Uh, then she looks up like somebody must be at the door so she gets up to answer as they was model against her like do you think that video is really going to seal the deal for Vogue it I don't know maybe it's like just exactly the kind of like vapid corporate speak they're looking for
2: when would this even transpire like I'm sorry, is episode eight about her Vogue internship? Like, I feel like you got bigger fish to fry. Yeah. Uh,
1: anyway, Mona answers the door. It's Allie, who has like the sort of vulnerable look on her face as the door swings open that usually presages a hookup. Uh, mm-hmm. She's got the yellow rose with her. So uh, sweet. And uh, Mona says, Allie, come in. Allie walks in, kind of sort of in a daze. Mona shuts the door and comes over to see what's up. And Allie says, Do you know why I think my own death?
0: And that's.
1: Is a conversation starter. Oh, yeah, Mona says because everyone in Rosewood wanted to kill you, and Allie <laughs> just kind of getting a little sassy. She goes, "Not everyone." And Mona just gives the most classic, like knowing Mona, a smirk. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just man. When you see those glimpses, it's it's just wonderful. Fall in love. Yeah, Ali says, but that's not the point. This campus, this town, something's wrong here. Something worse than we've been thinking. And Mona, like pretending to be alarmed, is like, "What?" And Ali says, I think Taylor Hotchkiss might be alive. And Mona's really doing her best, like, shocked and dubious here, even gasping a little as if she didn't already know this and hasn't been railing Taylor for the past several months. Uh, I just don't believe that this is a surprise to Mona.
2: Also, like, rewind back. Everyone wanted to kill you, and Allison says not everyone. What if that just started like the last gas, like the romantic comedy monologue speech right here? Like what if Allison just went like full nodding hill on Mona? Like I'm just a girl standing in front of the were, crazy stalker. You were always there for me, sending me love notes like written in lipstick on mirrors, showing me that you really saw me for who I was, sending me like crazy fucked up voodoo dolls to show that you care. Let's,
1: Let's smash. Do
2: it. <laughs> yeah. Let's just make a mess. a sexy mess. Uh, meanwhile, back out in the quad at night, Caitlin's like walking across campus. She comes across Mason and his posse of losers. Uh, Mason and the boys. Um, he's going to give her some Enter more smutty. J. A. Ferguson's one of these guys. Yeah. <laughs> Mason's like, "Hey, you want us to walk you home? I mean, there's a killer on the loose, after all." <laughs> uh, Caitlin's like, Psh, "No, I'm I'm good." And Mason's like, "All right, suit yourself. Take back the night." Um, he gives her like an asshole smile, like walks off, pulling a stick of gum out of a package. And after by, like popping that stick in his mouth, he tries tossing the wrapper in a trash can. He misses. He keeps walking. We only get one what planet. A tune. We only get one fucking planet. And you're littering, you son of a bitch. That's not perfect. Um, Kaylin smiles mirthlessly at him, like waits for him to leave for walking on. I don't know if she suddenly thinks, like, I should go pick up that litter, or if she's like, oh shit, he's chewing gum. Either way, she goes and picks it up. It's the same kind they found in the woods and in the cabin. Oh shit. Oh boy, it's mason. So it means. End of episode three, start of episode four, he's clearly not the killer. <laughs> yeah, I know. The mystery music ramps up. Um, she glances over to see like Mason, and his team of dudes like drinking brewski's on that picnic table not far away. That picnic table <laughs> <laughs> again. Which cool guys, huh? Yeah, they're their night. It's like Mason
1: and a Donkey Dick Doug over there for sure.
2: <laughs> he's like this is how this is how my my fellow like uh, uh catalog model friends and I spend our time. So she pulls out her phone and dials, and into the phone, we can assume that she's talking to the other two or one of the other two. She's just like, Hey, I think I knew who was in the woods that night. It was Mason. Bum, 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 bum. Uh, maybe it's Allie. I don't know. Who knows? Although yeah. they
1: don't seem, she doesn't, none of these three seem very motivated to uh, bring Allie into things.
2: Yeah, like this, like you had your opportunity at the beginning to, you know, come clean up some recluse, but whatever. Yeah. So the Gum wrapper reveal, I guess
1: it's okay. Um they already did this exact same clue, uh, clue payoff in PLL though, and it was done better there. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like we've seen this before, you know. Mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. think it it was so much better in uh in uh Unmasked because the gum wasn't the primary reveal that Monos A like the sweater sets were. Mm-hmm. Like the gum was like the cherry on top. It was that second piece of confirmation, which is
2: why it was mm-hmm. so good. Well, but to to call back to something you've already done, wouldn't that make more sense if in this clue set, like Ali or Mona were involved?
1: Yeah. Well, and it's just weird because like that the Mona reveal was so good, and it was mm-hmm. set up like several. You know, there's so much set up to it. Like the sweater set scene, uh, scene was like I don't know, a uh, ten episodes earlier or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. or, or more. And so it You're was, like smart, really smart. It, yeah it was really relying on the audience picking up on that the same way Spencer would you know it's like we trust you to put this together
2: yeah I, I, I wondered though like still obviously with P, the PLLs you have four of them you have like the four humors with these three you've got like your ethos your pathos your logos presumably who like
1: who was the the, um, the ethos
2: yeah I don't know I mean like I, I kind of thought, okay, Caitlyn's the Spencer. Ava's maybe the Arya. Like, like they Phil don't... Might be the Hannah. It none of it quite correlates. They don't feel
1: like a true power trio to me. I don't I don't know who would be the ethos, power, pathos, and logos of these three.
2: Well, and then to take it one step further, let me just say, so next week we get Joseph Doherty and Roger Cumble returning to the PLO universe. The trailer would lead you to believe there's some, like, wonderful Wizard of Oz illusions with Taylor all over the place. Can that be mapped onto the characters? Like, is... Dorothy trying to get back to Kansas. Are the perfectionists trying to get courage and heart and brains? Like who's doing what there?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's Ali is as we've said, she's clearly dominating the show here. The perfectionists are better in this episode, but they still feel so secondary. Like even they had a lot more screen time and it was more active in the plot screen time, but the the way they mesh together is still
2: bizarre. I I don't know if it was clear. I don't know if we like came off as negative in the last one. Like I like the people who make the show and so far I am enjoying the show. There are some frustrations, some questions. I do want this show to be good and to succeed like ratings wise and people taking other jobs. Ratings were like
1: slightly better
2: this week. So various, you know, negative warning signs that are out there. Like, even worse would be, like, what if by, like, episode 10, the show is just, like, really fucking good and then Freeform cancels it, you know? Yeah. Like, if it was, if the show just, like, gets worse and worse and worse and it's like, okay, well, let's just never talk of this again. But it's like, what if it gets fucking
1: good? I guess what seems weird to me so far is that the pilot seems somewhat disconnected. Like, it seems yeah. like there's a lot of pivoting going on already. Yeah. Okay, so a couple of just kind of general discussion questions I want to run by here at the end. Um, Mm -hmm. Is Nolan really dead? Because Claire seems incredibly unaffected by his death.
2: (laughs) Well, this plays into your original theory. What, clones? Yeah. (laughs) She's like, don't worry, I've got 15 other Nolans in the warehouse. Which theory are you talking about? just joke the joking one about clones
1: okay well i mean Um, i guess because like you would think if maybe we're gonna find out that Claire's like an evil sociopath so that's why she's acting this way but you would think mm. if she did have something to do with nolan's death they would go the other way and have her seem really broken up about it you know like just to cover
2: i I don't know if they're trying to go if like she's got it together on the surface but maniacally she's gonna like hunt down who she thinks is the killer or who's responsible or, or or what's going on. I would have to assume that unlike Allison the PLL pilot like we see that body like he looks pretty fucking dead on that uh, that fence. Well, I mean who,
1: yeah someone's dead let's put it that way. You know? It's not
2: like Sherlock taking that Reichenbach fall yeah. off that like hospital roof.
1: Somebody's definitely dead like is it a clone a double is it like one of those like insane masks from the PLL finale on the face or something. I don't like, know. That <laughs> to me like, would seem like cheating personally.
2: Part of being in my posse is you have to spend the first two years having your face surgically altered to look like me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I would buy a twin thing. It would be a a little like going back to the well too much for PLL, I would say. yeah. But yeah. at least that's like realistic. Like to me, it's like, oh, he was actually that was a mask. That feels like cheating to me.
2: If they bring in twins into this show, it better be followed by or preceded by a reveal that somehow the Hotchkiss family is related to the De Laurentiis yeah, family. That's yeah. the only way you can get yourself. You just can't tell me like genetic strains of twins. It's just like a fucking weird occurrence Alice that Alice keeps smashing into. Uh uh-huh. um, oh. So where's Taylor? Yeah, seriously. Where did she go?
1: I mean, other than hooking up with Mona, you know.
2: Well, so like there is a photo of her and like that wellness center van or whatever that that someone released from like a future episode. So that's – is she hiding out there? I mean like how does she come back into the fold? Because I want to say in that photo she's like talking to – Well, let's not
1: get too spoilery, you know.
2: uh, Got out on the internet, so. Yeah, Um, I know. but... But yeah, so where is Taylor? What is she doing? But the problem is we don't know anything about her quest. We don't know anything about, like, the evil of Beacon Guard and, you know, these feeds that she's, like, sending to Nolan's phone and shit. And, like, wouldn't they have access to that? Wouldn't they know there's a hacker in the mainframe? They were sending, like, uh, Nolan, like, backdoor access codes, blind spots or something or other.
1: Uh, So the the kind of big question that people are really starting to ask now is Mona Real from... Listener Momo, we got an email, I'll read a part of it here, her theory on Mona not being real. She uh, says, last episode, Allie had that phone call with the repair guy where someone handled something in her house without her knowledge. Uh, it's a possible, you know, potential blackout moment, lapse in memory because Mona was the one that handled it, question uh, mark. Mm-hmm. It could have been Mrs. Hotchkiss because we saw later that she can get into the house by herself, but I think that's a misdirect. So what was Ali's motive? I think the action of killing comes from her subconscious slash Mona. It's not the alley we know going around pushing people off buildings or contemplating killing uh, clues for the murder should be present in the pilot. And throughout episode one, Allie kept saying she wanted to help kids and she knows they all had issues with Nolan. So she helps them by getting rid of him. Uh, you know, Mona quote unquote uh, handles this unbeknownst to Allie. I also think the pie thing appearing in two consecutive episodes is not a coincidence. It will probably come back later when we actually see Allie go in the store, but the person selling the pie has no idea who this Mona slash friend is. So what do you think about that?
2: I think it checks out so far.
1: I mean, maybe it's too obvious or I don't know. Maybe we're just way ahead of the game because we knew to look for this from the books, but like so far Mona seems so incredibly disconnected from the plot
0: mm-hmm. that
1: she doesn't seem entirely real. She seems like a part of Valley's subconscious. It's like motivating her to do things, you know?
2: I mean, is part of it, a matter of, they recognize that Mona's too powerful and to do her justice, yeah. you have to kryptonite her. I mean <laughs> um is it that? Is there something where like some of this Mona is real and the other is Allison generated? You know what I mean? Like
1: uh, well, it's like Mona works for admissions, but she just hangs out at her house constantly
2: doing hanging. Is it a mess that's lost in the translation of like the various methods of course correcting?
1: Well, you know, I guess part kind of adding on to this, I was just wondering, like there's this odd mixture of competing storylines. Is that merely res- the result of kind of like a forced melding of like source material to existing IP? Or mm-hmm. is there some kind of major show altering twist in the works? Like, you know, it's all in somebody's head or it's a video game. Like, are these storylines like are they clashing and competing each, with each other for some sort of planned thematic reason, and we're just like not seeing it, and the rug's going to get pulled out from under
2: us? You know. Well, let me offer this morning to both ourselves and, yeah. and listeners. Just because if you weren't didn't read the books, like you're aware of the twist from the podcast, don't necessarily think that they're going to do any of that. Well, I'm just wondering:
1: show. is there some sort of major shoe to drop? and we're just not seeing it like is there a reason that the show seems so sort of like discombobulated right now or is Mm -hmm. that more just a kind of like a factor of them doing a pilot and trying to work with like you know fitting in pl characters to the perfectionist story like you know what i mean like is it just kind of like slightly shaky writing or is like no this is all planned for a reason
2: well both make sense i could see that's the kind of thing though where it's like let's say a show has been on for five or there's five scripts in the can that can't be changed. Mm -hmm. And like you come onto the show and you're like reading what they've got. And you're like, well, if you continue on in this, this vein, you're fucked. But if you throw out your rule book and make a crazy twist here, you might have something. I mean, that might be that Uh, it could be, it could be, could be both. I mean, I think the thing is after you work so hard for the twinster thing, is that a high that you're going to chase forever? Yeah,
1: I mean, I don't know. We, you know, we need to talk to our, our friend of the pod who had read the pilot script and see was the uh, the Mona thing at the end in there. It's
0: mm, a good question because you know
1: that You're listening that would be the thing where it's like if they added that in later, maybe there was a pivot, you know, like a a change in where they wanted to go.
2: Put your uh, your masking tape X on the window. Shine uh, the light out of it. We'll meet in the parking garage. Definitely. Should we like follow the money? Follow the loads. <laughs> They're everywhere. Get a black light. Wash your hands a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it it feels that way. I mean, especially again, I don't know. There's certain things that I, I, I watch this show and I think they don't get that this is unclear. Like they expect, they expect the, the usual PLL language. Oh, it's okay. We're riding to the shippers anyway. As you're riding to the smaller contingent of mystery people, it's fine. It'll, it'll come out in the wash. And then some of the stuff of like Mona and Allison, I just think this is how you would start to set it
0: up.
1: Yeah, I don't know. You know. It's it's weird because, like, it's more and more, it seems so much like the Alley show, and there's so much care put into everything with her, and the other perfectionists, like, their relationship with each other is so nebulous and ill-defined and kind mm-hmm. of seems, like, off the cuff and changes every episode, you know? Yeah. Um, it's like, is there a reason for that, or is the reason the obvious one that it's just like, it's just the writing's not very good, you
2: know? I mean, I'm just thinking like, okay, I can't remember. If, I guess she's married. Who? She's married. Allison, oh, there's yeah, a fracture. Kind of. She's, I wrote this terrible joke for last week. And I didn't use it, but I guess I'm using use it now. She's like trying to get back of Emily the same way OJ is like trying to catch the real killers. Wow. <laughs> She, it's like, you know what I need it to do to fix
1: His address is, yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> what I need to do to get back to my wife is I need to move across country and work on my degree and my career and, and leave my kids behind. But she's like, you know, she's landed. There's some some bullshit text messages we've seen. She's like got a rideshare thing. Do you know anyone? I don't know a soul. She gets to this house and like some part of her subconscious like splinters. And who does she conjure up but Mona? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> contractually, that's who's available. Oh, shit.
1: (laughs) I mean, I'm definitely really enjoying the Alley stuff and and Mona, obviously.
2: Um, I'm I'm enjoying the Alley stuff more than I thought I would. I'm enjoying the little stabs of Mona.
1: I think before, I feel like I was concerned about how they would fit Allie and Mona into the perfectionist storyline. But really, Mm. it's more that, like, this is just like an Allie and Mona spinoff and, like, the perfectionists are what's not really melding too well, you
0: know? Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, it's an interesting idea of, like, what sets my Sherlock Holmes TV show apart? Well, what if like Sherlock's partner wasn't Watson, but it was Moriarty?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things about the perfectionist book that was kind of like you have to go with it, although maybe it hurts you a little bit, is like there's these three other characters who like mm. their storylines are not super interesting, but they're camouflage for the big twist, mm. which is why mm. they're there. Is something similar going on here? Mm. I don't know. I think well, that, that probably works a little better in, the, in a book than a TV show. But.
2: Which is funny because as much as we've complained about how some of the shipping is handled in the book, I like the Caitlyn – not Caitlin, uh, Mackenzie character. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily like her, her, her storyline, but I liked her a lot. She had a personality. Yeah, She had a personality. She seemed like a very real person. I could get behind her. I was rooting for her. Um, thank you for the people who reached out to us to say that they also read the perfectionist books and they were surprised by the twist, which is cool. Um, I think for us, it's like once we zoned in on that, that twist that we you perceived just keep becoming, seeing the evidence for it, we keep seeing it, but you're also kind of rooting for it. Uh-huh. Like you're like, yeah. Oh yeah. do it. Edge me, edge me a little bit more. I love it. Um, so I don't know if it's a thing where, like, this is this is like Giles not touching anybody in season seven. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you kind of want it now. I don't know.
1: Right, I think the hope is that you're looking for the rug to get pulled out from under you.
2: Yeah, I just I don't or, know.
1: Or at the very least, like, maybe they just didn't really have it together for the pilot and there's just a lot of pivoting going on. And by the time we get to episode 10, it'll be a different show that's a little more focused,
2: you know? To muddy the waters of the mixed pop culture metaphors a little bit more. We are definitely seeing glitches in the matrix. We just don't know what they mean.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We don't know if they're intentional or not. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So that was the episode. Next episode is the ghost Sonata by just Doherty written directed by Roger Cummel. Um If you want to get in touch with us, you can write us at we're, our Twitter is at broswatchpl2. Uh, our email is broswatchpl2.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can also use a review on iTunes. And mm-hmm. We have 451 ratings now. Killing it. Huh? Mm-hmm. Way more than any PL podcast.
2: We're not even going to talk about Aiden. Aiden? Aiden. I like that you don't know who that is. That's great. That's okay. fantastic. I want to leave it there.
1: Oh, okay. right. Yeah. The stupid text thing. Yeah. We didn't even talk about that.
2: Is there one there's, more coming? One more to hurt I think me? there's
1: gonna be one every week. Yeah,
2: that is how good luck keeping that shit up.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Anyways, uh, speaking of supporting the podcast, um, yeah, as mentioned in the previous episode, we don't have ads or do a Patreon for this podcast. Um, but coming in the future, coming weeks, we will be publishing a book called My Name Is Trouble. Uh, we're very eager to uh, get it out there to those of you who'd be interested in reading a teenage murder mystery. Mm-hmm. Kind of up the up the alley of PLL fans, Veronica Mars fans. Uh, more details to come. I'm really hoping to maybe have a website for it up next week. We'll see uh, if I can get that out. My very busy schedule, but uh, yeah, awesome. keep your eyes peeled for that spot. More info to come. Uh, any final thoughts before we go?
2: Uh, we might do. We might 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 get together in your neck of the woods, somewhere around the end of the season, to maybe talk about trouble. If anybody who's interested, oh, like um, a,
1: a little meetup.
2: It might do a little meetup. If, that, a little that LA meetup. People. LA meetup if that would interest yeah. people email us if uh you want to meet up with our, our weird asses we are fucking weirdos um just stupid grossos but like you would probably be right before right after the finale I would guess I don't know could be next week who knows you don't know I don't know probably not probably not no um <laughs> yeah so thank you again um is this real are we real
1: I'm just not sure maybe we're just bad writing <laughs>
2: Uh, Cue that (laughs) cello music.
1: All right. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye.
2: Bye.